20 of Long Hair Do Care. This is a monthly podcast that talks about queer, intersectional, eco-feminist topics, and I am your host, Georgie Corkery, pronouns she, her, hers, also happy to go by they, them, theirs. I am a little stuffy, so if I sound different, that is because I recently went through having a high fever, a fever of 102. If you can believe it, my heart rate was actually up to 114 beats per minute, which is like twice what it normally is. Uh, Hard brag, I have a low resting heart rate. This month's topic, my December topic, is going to be a positive transition. To discuss this topic, I have on a friend who I'm excited to have for my 20th episode, and woo! I have 20 episodes. This is really exciting for me. My friend is Ronan Hart. Ronan is a fellow member of the queer community and a Utah State University graduate student with me studying space use ecology and who is passionate about fire ecology as well. Welcome, Ronan. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. So my name is Ronan, and my pronouns are he, him, his. Okay, Ronan, I want to ask you, what are you most excited to talk about today? I'm excited to talk about my positive gender transition experience and how it was a very positive experience. Because when I brought up to Georgie that I wanted to be on this podcast and I didn't know what to talk about, they were like, you should talk about transitioning. And I said, I don't know if I'm the right person for that. I you know, didn't really have a lot of negative experiences. I don't really know if I'm good for that. And they're like, no, that's the exact reason why you should be on, because we need more representation on positive experiences. So I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah. And like I always say, representation is so important. But before we jump into the topic of transitioning, we have to talk about our cats, wildlife, Teslas, and conscious content consumption. Uh, Ronan, what cats have you interacted with? <laughs> You might not remember what cats you interacted with in November, but you can think about the ones you interacted with for the past week or so. Well, I live with a cat. I have my own cat named Milo, and he is very sweet and kind of a monster sometimes because he's like a year and a half, so he's still like a teenager. He is really cute. Yeah. He's actually in a previous episode, if anybody remembers. <laughs> I talk about how he was watching your pet lizard. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he is obsessed with my lizard who often just hides in this little terrarium. You can't even really see him, but Milo will like jump from across the room to like <laughs> jump on the bookshelf and like stare at him. And, but other, he's he's so sweet, but he's also a terror sometimes, but we he's all very love him. handsome. Yes. He's a cute little boy. He's I got, like, like a little spot of soup on his Yeah, lip it looks like, like he has half of a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> and then I think you and I both saw our friend Tansy's cat named Faye Kitty. Yes, she's also so cute. She's very sweet. Yeah. I like her a lot. So um, I saw three cats, one of them being Faye Kitty, and then another gray fat cat. There's so many fat cats in the neighborhood that I live in in Logan. And I just walk around and I see them. The gray one, I think, is a new one. And then, <laughs> bear with me through this, I saw my friend Leanna's roommate, whose name is Dakota's, giant cat <laughs> named Finn. So shout out to Leanna and Dakota, but more importantly, Finn. Finn is one of the biggest cats I've seen. He is at least a foot and a half tall, and then he's just, he's like a normal cat. He's not fat or anything. He's just, I mean, it's 
times one and a half. You know, it's a big, beautiful, gray, silvery cat with these beautiful yellow-green eyes. I almost said blue. Yellow-green eyes. Great cat. So only three cats for me, unfortunately. I do remember, because if we're thinking back to November, I went home to see my mom and my brother for Thanksgiving. So I don't know when in November That's this fair. technically yep. is. Yeah, but they have three cats at their house. So they have Gatsby, who's the, like, super big. And, like, you think he's fat, but he's just, like, all muscle. Like, apparently, <laughs> you know, he can... I, if he was a person, he'd, like... He'd be, like, a big bear or something, but all muscle, but, like, not, like, a jock. But he's the best. He also, like, stares at you. He, like, has this empty stare at you. It's just like, oh, Gatsby. You're like, do you love me? Are you going to kill me? Yeah. Or are no, you just confused? It's more just, like, <laughs> oh. you know, he's, like, a big himbo, basically. So he's this big, muscly ditz. Yeah. And then there's Gendry, who's an orange cat. And he is an asshole, um, but also sometimes cute. But, like, you can only pet him for a little bit, and you have to, like, kind of make sure that he's in a good mood, because otherwise he'll hiss and attack you if you look at him wrong. Yeah, cats are a lesson in consent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, He's and he loves water also. He'll, like, jump into the kitchen sink or the bathroom sink, and he's like... Or the bathtub, and he's like, turn on water, please. Oh, that's so cute <laughs> and, just, and like, so unusual. Right, yeah, just, like, drips on his head, and he just, like... Licks, licks it as it falls into his mouth. I love that. I yeah. see videos of that a lot, yeah. but that's so cute. <laughs> and then there's Fiona, who's a little, what are they called? The same as, like, fake kitty. Tortoiseshell. Tortoiseshell. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, she's a torty. Um, and she is so tiny compared to these huge boys, Gatsby and Gendry. She's just such a little lady, and she's, like, pear-shaped. My mom adopted her, you know, from the shelter, but they think that she had, like, two litters or something before. She was, like, a street hmm. cat. So she's kind of got, like, the mother Mom bod. Yeah. But she's so cute. She's so sweet. She, when the boys moved in, the boy cats, she was like, I am not into this. But then now they're like good friends. Well, that sounds of. like a good little trio. And they all have great names. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you see any wildlife recently? Have you seen yeah. any? Yeah. So last Monday, I helped out. My advisor sent out an email and was like, hey, there's like deer captures happening. The DWR. So like Jordy said, I'm a space use ecologist and I'm studying mule deer and pronghorn so i don't work with the deer i just work with gps points but division of wildlife resources they capture the deer and put collars on them and then the collars transmit the gps of what i work with so we went out and like helped out or like at least got to see what the dwr does with how the deer captures work that's so cool yeah a helicopter goes out and like net guns the deer Net guns? Yeah, so I don't, I didn't see how this works. I don't exactly know how it works. I imagine but... I see a superhero movie scene where they have this bright blue, orange, green gun that looks very futuristic and it goes, <laughs> like it's loading up and then, and it like spins and then it lands on them in a net with weighted balls at the end of oh, the I, net. Oh, I don't so think it... it's got weighted balls. I, but I think that otherwise, I think that's kind of how it is, where it's just like <laughs> it shoots a net out and it kind of like trips them a little bit. And the people that are doing, that are in the helicopter, they're like trained big game people. Like apparently mm. they're from South Africa and this is like their job oh, wow. to, to like be in a helicopter and capture game animals. So like cool. they're very experienced. They try not to hurt the animal. The animal doesn't get hurt at, you know, very low chance yeah. of him getting hurt with these I mean, and that would be contradictory to what you want, Yeah, right? exactly. We don't want them <laughs> to get hurt. We want them to be fine. But it can still happen, you know, if they trip and then tumble down. And, yeah, you if know, they get too anxious, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So, 
So they they get captured by the net gun. You know, they can capture like one or two or three at a time or something. And then they put a mask on their face so that they keep some calm a little bit because they can't really see. You know, yeah. they can still hear, but they can't really see what's going on. And then they like tie their legs together so that they can't escape. They can't kick someone. They can't hurt themselves or anyone else. Um, and then they put them in this basket, like a kind of canvas basket, tied to, to the helicopter, and then the helicopter like flies them. them over. It's, it's just like a helicopter with like this these deer like hanging underneath. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so what part of that did you get to help? With? Yeah. Okay. So then the helicopter comes over where we all are. Once the helicopter leaves, it safely like drops them down. It doesn't just <laughs> drop them down. To, <laughs> yeah. No. They lower them down and then like unties them, and then the helicopter flies away, and then we all come in. And put the deer on a pallet, move the pallet over, weigh the deer, do all these, like, measurements. Do you give them vaccines and stuff? No, they gave them vitamins and painkillers or, like, anti-stress stuff, but not vaccines. And you said this is pronghorn deer? These are mule deer. Mule deer, okay. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah, so they, you know, do all these measurements. They take hair samples and blood samples and, like, body fat and see if the does are lactating. They also test for COVID, which is really interesting. They, like, do the nose swab and everything. Oh, those poor deer. Yeah. I don't like the nose swab. (laughs) Yeah. I know. They have to, like, do the same thing. But apparently, like, white-tailed deer in the eastern U.S. are rampant with COVID. That's what I hear. Yeah. So I don't know what... But not in the West. Not the I don't think as much, but they're testing it. And I do know that animal captures in California have kind of slowed down because of COVID. They don't want to transfer... COVID to the animals, but I don't know if animals there have COVID or if they're just worried. Yeah. Yeah. And so Um, we do all that and then we just release the deer and it was really cool. Nice. So you saw a bunch of, uh, you not only saw, but you interacted with a bunch of mule deer. Well, I, I I took the temperature of some of them, which means that I have to stick a thermometer up their butt. (laughs) Oh, so poor deer. And then like, you know, their legs are tied, so they can't go anywhere, but they still are kind of like, ah. Yeah. For the most part, they're calm. They're just, okay, I'm just going to wait until this is over. But then sometimes mm-hmm. they kind of freak out, and they, like, jump a little bit. And so you have to kind of, like, hold them down. So I was, like, holding them down a little bit. <laughs> Were they soft? No, not really. Coarse? Um, yeah, it's kind of more coarse. I guess that yeah. makes sense. That's that's disappointing, but <laughs> not unexpected. Yeah. Okay, any other wildlife? I see birds, but I don't remember what birds yeah honestly even though i love birds unless i see one that totally stands out i don't keep track of it birds to me are just kind of a given of what i'll see for the week (laughs) or for the month and oh wait there is a wildlife because there's a turkey that lives in my neighborhood oh it lives in our neighborhood neighborhood. yeah i've never actually brought it up on the podcast before but yeah she just strolls alone yeah around yeah she hangs out right around my house and like you see her in, around your house i saw her on my neighbor's roof and then my on the neighbor's yeah roof? On top of the, i was like hello but turkeys can't fly no i think they i think they can oh they yeah can i'm dumb bit. i'm yeah. chickens i'm not dumb i'm not self-deprecating i remembered incorrectly yeah. chickens can't really fly that well yeah. but turkeys they certainly can. Yeah. So um, I wonder what she's up to. I know. I, like, I started <laughs> seeing her this summer, and she has just lives here now. I'm like, do you want to come in? I've got chickens in the backyard. I'm like, do you want to come in and hang out with That's the chickens? So We've got a heat lamp. Yeah, I, I just see her walking. She'll walk past my house. There's yeah. a dog that lives on one side that hangs out in the front yard, and she avoids... I think it's a him. She avoids him. Yeah. But yeah, Ronan and I are neighbors, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Logan>. Yes. <laughs> well, in November, I only saw, I put deer 
and ducks, and then I also did see the turkey. So I and it was probably mule deer. So that's you yeah. know same as you. And then ducks. I don't know what kind of ducks, but I did see a lot of them. It oh, you like... know what? I was on a run, and I went to First Dam. If anybody knows where that is, who's in Logan? But I ran to First Dam. And then I looked over, and there was two deer, and I was like, oh, that's cool. They're, like, right there. But one of them was limping really bad, and they were making their way down to the water. And then this truck pulls up, and these two guys jump out. And one of them was just like, damn it, shit. (laughs) And, like, they were wearing all camo, and I was like... I wonder if they shot that deer oh, and, and then it went into territory that they can't oh, shoot yeah, it's on, it. It's not on public land. Anymore. Yeah. Oh, man. And now it's injured. And I was like, at first I was like, well, screw you for hurting that deer. But I'm a proponent of hunting. Yeah. I think hunting's great. And I am also like, damn it. It's too bad that that deer's injured yeah, instead of. Instead of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a hunter and I listened to your hunter episode and I'm sure that they didn't try to injure the deer. Yeah. They probably tried to yeah. kill it. And I'm sure that's where some of his very loud, aggressive yeah. frustration <laughs> came from, which is totally understandable. And I wonder what happened to that deer. Yeah. And I saw that deer and a bunch of ducks. So that was... Yeah, it is a good season to do to look at ducks. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're around. They're, and there's a lot of different types of ducks, which people don't know. So my wildlife wasn't that exciting. For November, I stayed in a lot, which is why my Tesla count was so low. I had 74 Teslas in that's, all of the month of November. And if I mean, you've that been, seems like a lot for, for me, but I don't know. If, if y'all have been listening to my podcast, I had... Like 134 in one week. Oh wow! Okay. And that, but that was in Salt Lake. So Logan's a different ball game. I would say not as wealthy overall, and then also more conservative and smaller. So there's just less. And I spend most of my time in my room trying to be a good grad student. <laughs> Sometimes I procrastinate. Either way, um, I'm not seeing a lot of Teslas from my window. But the last thing. Uh, conscious content consumption. Do you want to go first? Sure. I just finished a book yesterday called Semiosis by Sue Burke. And it's a sci-fi book about plant, plant sentience. Mm. Um, so kind of like do, if plants had intelligence, what would it look like? And maybe plants do have intelligence on Earth. This book takes place on a different planet. Cool. But uh, it's a really good book. And there's a couple parts of, of the book where it's from the plant's perspective. There's a main character plant. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It was just really cool. And, like, I don't know if you've read Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. This, I, I mean, this would be, like, a conscious content. It's more intersectional, but... I haven't read all of it yet. I yeah. read the first little bit, and then I just... I wanted to read... Uh, Mushroom at the End of the World, which so far is really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll come back to braiding for sweetgrass. Yeah. But. It's a good book. It's I highly recommend it. But also she talks about indigenous perspectives on how ecosystems and how plants... In Braiding Sweetgrass yeah, in, or in... Sorry, in Braiding Sweetgrass, Robin Wall Kimmerer talks about cultural perspectives on ecosystems, ecology, and plants. And she says that indigenous people see plants as relations and like they have intelligence and they interact with their world westerners we kind of see plants as like these mute inanimate like they just kind of exist or whatever yeah so the semiosis book when i was reading it i was reminded of braiding sweetgrass i was Mm -hmm. like this is kind of like what 
indigenous people see plants as, as arbiters of their active participants in their own lives and like in their ecosystems. And it was really interesting. Yeah, I like that perspective a lot. There's a book, The Genius of Birds, and it talks in depth about how we perceive what intelligence and what genius is as humans or as westernized <laughs> humans in the United States, because birds and plants, they do have their own way of interacting with the world that we don't understand, and it's so far beyond us. Mm -hmm. Their intelligence is just a different ball game, so it's weird for us to compare we are so much smarter than a pigeon, which you can argue that. Yeah, we can text and we've made yeah. technology, but pigeons can navigate the Earth's surface by, it's not smell and it's not sight, but it's some weird it's like in-between thing. Or something. Yeah, I don't know if it is, but they, it, it probably is. They can, like, see the landscape based on this smell thing. Oh, wow. Or maybe they like they can probably see in like infrared also and Yeah. Probably, they like, just perceive it differently. Yeah. And I mean you can put a pigeon on the other side of the world and it'll figure out how to get back home. Yeah. So I not, couldn't do that. Not infrared. I I think a lot of birds can see ultraviolet. Ultraviolet, yeah. yeah. They do use the stars and the magnetic poles mm -hmm. to guide them. But we don't totally understand that yet. And that's a gap in our intelligence there. So plants, we're just learning about that. Say the name again of the book and the author. The book is Semiosis by Sue Burke. Okay. And it's fiction. Yes, it's a science fiction. Ugh, yeah. Maybe I'll have to read that <laughs> then. Because like I said, fiction is my thing. Yeah, it was, really, it was a really cool book. I highly recommend it. Cool. Well, my conscious content consumption is Uncle Frank, which is a movie recommended by Tansy. Tansy, again, is our mutual friend and the owner of Faye Kitty. <laughs> so thanks, Tansy, for this recommendation. It definitely made me cry three times, which I told Tansy. I texted <laughs> them and I was like, so good, you were right. Yeah. Uncle Frank was released in 2020, so it's a newer movie. It is an American comedy drama that is definitely more of a drama than comedy but still lighthearted enough for you to move through it and really enjoy it. It was written, directed, and co-produced by Alan Ball. The film's stars are Paul Bettany. I don't know if I'm oh, saying that right, but yeah. he's a pretty famous actor. He's in Marvel. He He's Vision in Marvel. He's in one of my favorite films from childhood, A Knight's Tale. He's like <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. the poetry guy. He's in a ton of stuff. He was, in, he was he's in, great. in The Da Vinci Code and Inkheart also. Oh, yeah. He was in Inkheart yeah. as Dustfinger. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm into Dustfinger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Paul, he plays the character Uncle Frank, and then the other main actor is Sophia... Lillis, I haven't ever heard of her, but she plays his 18-year-old niece. The movie is set in the 1970s and is told from the perspective of Beth. The opening scene, Beth is at her family's house. She still hasn't graduated from high school yet, and her family lives in the deep south in a small town, and they have these old-fashioned traditions. I mean, it's the 70s, right? Parents, the dad, and the grandfather are like, children are meant to be seen, not heard, and you have to be this way, and they're aggressive in their approach to parenting, and Beth, 
narrates. This is just in the first five minutes, so I'm not giving anything away. But Beth is like, I don't relate to these adults. None of them look me in the eye except for Uncle Frank. And Uncle Frank and I get along so well, but he rarely comes and visits. He lives in New York, and he's a professor in New York. And then it cuts to the scene where they're chatting, and Uncle Frank is like, hey, you don't want to be here. You got to get out of this town. Don't go to the local college. Come to my college. And of course, she ends up going. And again, this is still in the first five minutes. So I'm not giving anything away. And you can tell that Uncle Frank is kind of hiding something. And he doesn't want her to come to a party with her new boyfriend. They go. Her boyfriend hits on Uncle Frank when Beth is not there. Why? Because Uncle Frank is notoriously a gay man. <laughs> so the falling out from there, not necessarily with Beth, but how they deal with that as a family, it's a really touching, heartwarming story. Frank's partner Wally is played by the actor Peter McDissey, who to me was my favorite character because he brought a lot of the lightheartedness and a little bit of the comedy to the story. But it talks about addiction, verbal abuse, and family trauma, but all in this pretty open, positive way and how we can support one another. Just a really good movie. The quote-unquote world premiere of this movie was at the Sundance Film Festival on January 25th, 2020, and the Sundance Film Festival occurs on Park City, so not too far away from here. And I did think it was funny that on Wikipedia it said the world premiere. Um, <laughs> it's like when someone is like, yes, I am the only manager at this bagel shop in the world. And it's like, yeah, that's because there's only one bagel shop. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I guess technically it is a world premiere because before no one in the world had seen it, but yeah. it, it was only at Sundance. So. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, this podcast had its world premiere yeah. earlier this year. So I just think it's silly. But it was done by Amazon Studios, which I have my feelings about Amazon, but it is available on Amazon to watch. And then the producer, Alan Ball, he wrote the screenplay for American Beauty, which honestly was one of my favorite movies for a long time until I grew up and really thought about things a little <laughs> bit more and learned about Kevin Spacey. But I did think it was a well-written movie, but the whole sexualizing children mm -hmm. doesn't work for me. He also, Alan Ball, the director, created the series Six Feet Under and True Blood and Banshee. I haven't actually watched any of those, but they're popular. I've heard other people talk about them. Everyone should watch Uncle Frank. You'll walk away from it feeling like a better, happier person. That's so. awesome. I definitely want to see that now. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Tansy, for the recommendation. Jumping into our topic, Ronan, you mentioned at the top of the episode that you had a positive experience transitioning, which, you know, I haven't seen a lot of depictions of a positive transition in media, similar to how I think... Indigenous people don't have a lot of positive depictions of living peoples. It would be nice to see more in the future, so I'm excited to have you share a little bit about yours. Do you want to talk about when you first knew that you wanted to transition? Yeah, well, when I brought it up to Georgie that I wanted to be on this podcast, 
I was throwing out ideas on what to talk about. And I was like, I could talk about transitioning, but you know, I didn't really have like a rough time. So I don't know if I'm really right, the right person to talk about. And they were like, well, that's a different experience. We want to, we want to hear from different perspectives on like, you know, not every story has to be super negative or like you get kicked out of your house or like you experience a lot of transphobia. And I was like, that's a really good point. It's important to hear different perspectives and that being trans or being gay or being queer isn't always a bad thing. Yeah, and even if your experience was good or was bad, it's still completely valid. Yeah. <laughs> and we do need more of those stories out there and a variety of them. Yeah, exactly. And I think also for cis straight people, it's important for them to hear those stories of that. There are positive experiences. It's mm-hmm. not always... What is it when there's disability stories and people are like, oh, you're so brave? Yeah. Like, what is that called? I don't know. The first word that comes to my mind is an affliction. Yeah. People, I I have heard like, oh, it's a bummer that they're fill in the blank because that means their life is going to be so much harder. Yeah. It's like, well, fill in the blank with trans. That doesn't have to be the case. That just means society needs to change. So Yeah, it's not like my story is a movie or something where people (laughs) are going to like be experiencing this. But if there was like a movie of or like this is why like I guess movies and TV shows need to have gay characters and trans characters and black characters and indigenous characters that are just normal human beings. Mm -hmm. Their story isn't my parent kicked me out or whatever where yeah, it's just like it doesn't have to be centered around it but it can definitely be a huge part of a character's identity yeah for me personally like i really love being trans i love that i am trans it's an important part of my identity but i've heard people online or like other people's stories where they don't like being trans they think it's a really negative aspect of their life yeah or maybe if they have had negative experiences they still value being trans or you know all sorts of things yeah like what you said georgie it's important to hear different perspectives so that was not the answer to the question you asked. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, yeah. I asked a bunch at once. So let me ask another one, just a single one. Yeah. When did you first know that you wanted to transition? If um, you feel comfortable answering these questions, yeah. you can not answer all of them if you like. <laughs> yeah, totally. When I went to undergrad, so when I was like about 18 or something, I started getting more online, like on Tumblr. Tumblr! Right, yeah. This was like the 2010s, so this is when Tumblr was like kicking off and everyone was using it. So I was on there, I was like a freshman or sophomore in college. You know, at this time I was like, you know, I'm straight, I'm an ally. But then I like started seeing more LGBT people on Tumblr talk about their experiences. I think I learned for the first time what the word trans, non-binary, and genderqueer, like, learned all these, all these LGBT definitions all at once, you know, probably mm-hmm. in the span of a summer or something, and I was like, wait a minute. You're like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. I'm a baby queer, yeah, here I was we like, go. I was like, these are kind of relatable. Uh, <laughs> so, What was it specifically that caught your attention? You're like, whoa, you, some person on Tumblr feel this way and I relate to that feeling what do you remember what that feeling was what that connection was I think it was just I was presented with the idea that I didn't have to be the gender that I was assigned at birth it was okay to not feel yeah female you know and for a long time I I thought I was non-binary and this is part of the story that I can go more into so I more gravitated toward these like non-binary stories especially like AFAB which is if your listeners don't know assigned female at birth, because that's what I am as well. I was like, I have pretty some experiences to you. I kind of identify with what you're saying, but like not completely, but like sometimes, you know, so I was like, not really sure if I was, I think just the idea of, oh, wait a minute, I don't have to be female, basically. Yeah. Yeah. 
You're like, oh, I can be whatever I want to yeah. be. <laughs> it's a good feeling when that happens. That feeling has hit me in waves in my life. I think I'm I'm waiting for the third wave, but the first two were <laughs> really good. <laughs> yeah. So that was, you were 18, you said you learned that kind of over the summer? Yeah, over the summer, I basically like fell into Tumblr, fell into LGBT, queer Tumblr. And this and, was like, right before college or after this your was, first year This was, I think, college? after my first year of college, okay. so I was like going into sophomore year. First year of college, I was like... I'm an ally and like whatever I don't know I don't mm-hmm. know who I was first year of college nobody or who I was does in high school. Like, <laughs> yeah I was a different person basically so after that I like went to the women's center which was based also the women and LGBT center it just wasn't named mm-hmm. that but that's where the LGBT group met where all the queer kids hung out that's where basically I hung out the whole time because my undergrad was super waspy which is white Anglo-Saxon Protestant so it's like. <laughs> A lot of like rich... I haven't heard that. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, this is either gonna be you studied wasp because we do know people, Ronan and I, who study bees yeah. and things like that. But waspy. Yeah, so wasp. So a lot of these undergrad kids were super rich white kids. The school I went to was situated in the a really rich part of the Dallas, Texas area. So a lot of That's kids right. You that were in Dallas, there. Texas. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a private school. I was like, I don't think this is the right school for me for a lot of reasons especially in hindsight I'm like why did I go to that school but I basically spent my entire time at the women in LGBT center and so I played around with what is gender what gender am I it's like am I non-binary am I gender fluid I didn't think I was trans male I didn't think I was a male Hmm. literally for for a long time yeah you told me before we recorded this that you've completed your transition and you're here now. So between, you're 29, right? Yeah. A year older than me. So between 18 and 29, so like the past 10 years, at what point were you like, I am man? Yeah, that's, yeah. So the past past 10 years has been a very interesting queer journey for me, I guess. (laughs) Like, you know, I went through... Basically, like, trying on so many different identities and, like, who am I? What? Who am I? What am I? Um, (laughs) The reason why I didn't think I was male was because I didn't know what it meant to be male. Like, I was like, I don't feel male. I don't feel female either. So maybe I'm non-binary. So I identified as non-binary for a while. I tried out a different name. I used they, them pronouns. And it, like, still didn't really fit. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm fine. Was it a different name than Ronan? Yeah. It was more closer to my birth name. So, it, you know, it's a fine name, but it, it didn't fit. Yeah. And neither did they, them, either. So I, like, was like, well, I guess I'm fine with she, her. Like, it's okay. And then I, like, at one point, I was like, oh, I'm a lesbian. This is the reason <laughs> why, like, I finally figured it out. <laughs> I'm a lesbian, and this also explains my gender. Like, I can be, like, a non-binary lesbian or something. So I identified as that for a while. I thought I'd figured it out, and I, like, still felt, like, gender dysphoria, basically. And was like, okay. To answer your question on, like, when did I finally realize male, I found these, like, YouTubers, these, like, trans guy YouTubers talking about, like, showing their transition, talking about being trans, and they'd been, like, you know, 10 years on testosterone or something, so Hmm. they looked like a cis male, basically. They had, like, a full beard... Their face had a masculine feature. I just looked at them and I was like, wait a minute, you can look like that? (laughs) I was like, I want to look like that. That's so cool. I I don't know why I had never thought about hormones, really, and like what they can do. But something 
from those YouTubers clicked for yeah. you? Yeah. What was the YouTube channel? One of them is Jammy Dodger. So he's a he's a British dude. He's super cute. <laughs> cute, like he's really sweet. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's he is adorable. Like, attractive, but he's also just like super <laughs> yeah. adorable. Um, All the things can be true. At yeah, once. <laughs> <laughs> he has like videos like showcasing his entire transition. He transitioned when he was like sixteen or something. So, yeah, like, pretty I know. Young. I'm not a big YouTuber, but my friends Molly and Stefan, shout out to you. It's been a while since I've shouted out to you. I love you. <laughs> um, they watch a lot of YouTube, and I know that there's one guy in particular where he showed his entire transition to becoming a man. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if it's the same. It might be the same. I'm sure there are a number, uh, yeah. which is nice. <laughs> it's nice that, I would be you interested know. If, it, if it is the same person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was there was him, Jamie Dodger, because his name is Jamie. And then there was also Ty Turner, who is an American. Those are um, both good names. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jamie Dodger and Ty Turner yeah. taking on bum, 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 yeah. Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> I think also a little bit of Jackson Bird, which is also a great That's name. That's such like, a good and his like yet. that like his given last name is Bird. Like I want that last name. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I always wanted my last name to be Fox. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that's because they're my favorite animal. But I have a pretty cool last name. So yeah. But yeah, so I like stumbled across these YouTubers. I don't even really know how. Maybe YouTube like knew something that I didn't or something. <laughs> it's um, like, oh, our algorithm has picked up that yeah. you're a trans man and you don't know it yet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, like never really thought about hormones. When I was like a baby queer back in undergrad, I knew about top surgery and all that stuff, but I didn't really know about hormones. And like I I had watched videos, I'd watched like I remember watching this movie about four trans kids. Kids, they you know, they're like in college. So yeah. They, 18 or something but two trans male and two trans female and so you kind of get to see different experiences and they talked about hormones but i don't so i don't know why i didn't didn't catch, click yeah it didn't click to me so i knew what top surgery was and i was like maybe one day i'll get top surgery if your listeners don't know top surgery is surgery that assigned female at birth people will get to remove the breasts and so you have like a flat chest that's more mm -hmm. like masculine looking but this was also when I was not sure about my gender and I was like do I want to get top surgery because what if I regret it am I even non-binary you know am I yeah. I'm probably okay with being female you know it's so like all these I was wrestling with all this stuff it's kind of a rough 10 years like with gender <laughs> stuff <laughs> When you were wrestling with these questions, were you talking about them with your family and with your friends, or was it something more in your head and something that you looked for answers for on the internet? Yeah, it was a lot in my head and a lot on the internet. I think I mentioned to my mom at one point, like, oh, I don't think I really feel female. And she was like, okay. Was, like, really cool with <laughs> cool. it. I like kind of explained to her, like, I'm learning about these people online, you know, different stories they had non-binary and like genderqueer and gender fluid I kind of explained these things and she was like okay <laughs> like so but I didn't I didn't explore stuff with her I kind of brought it up with her and she was like that's fine my mom is like pretty open-minded so yeah, she was like, like I'll support you yeah whatever you exactly want. yeah whatever you feel like you know calling yourself or however you live your life like I will be totally fine with it and then when you came to the decision, you saw these beautifully bearded men, <laughs> <laughs> trans men yeah. on YouTube, and you're like, hormones, that's what I want. And then you just told your family. and Yeah, so how that worked was even then when I was like, okay, I want to start on hormones, I still thought I was non-binary. I still didn't think I was male. But you wanted to start on hormones. I just wanted to start on hormones. I was like, I want, this is what I want to look like. And so I had talked with my therapist about it at the time because I needed a 
it, it's different in different places on how to get on hormones. Um, Utah is really interesting on hormones because oh, I bet. the University of Utah is actually really great with getting on hormones. Oh, that yeah. wasn't where I thought that was going to go. No, yeah. Like, if you live in the Salt Lake area, and I'm sure, I don't know how people in, like, St. George or whatever do this. I don't know if they have to drive up to Salt Lake or something. Huh. But University of Utah, they have, a, like, a whole page on transgender health care. And wow, call that's them so great. And you're like, I want to start hormones. And they're like, okay, we'll set you up an appointment. You talk with the doctor. And they're just like, all right, here's informed consent. So you read what the hormones do to your body. And you're like, I'm cool with this. And they're like, cool. All right, here you go. It's really easy. That's awesome. I, it's Yeah, it's kind of amazing for Utah. But I was in Texas at the time. So I like looked up how to do hormone replacement therapy in Dallas area, in Plano or... Replacement therapy. Yeah, so that's what it's called, hormone replacement therapy. Because I guess you're repla- replacing some hormones with another. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And is it just testosterone and estrogen, or is there a whole cocktail? I believe, for me, or for trans men, it's just testosterone. Okay. For trans women, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a trans woman, yeah. obviously. <laughs> I think that they have to take estrogen and progesterone. Okay. You might want to That's okay. talk with a trans woman <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> but so I found a doctor that was, like, kind of close to me. So I went to go see him and was like, I want to start hormones. I had read online that he sees a lot of trans patients and gives hormones, hormone therapy. And I was like, okay, I will go see him. And he was like, I am happy to give you hormones, but I do need a therapist letter. And I don't really know why, if he said he was happy to provide hormones, I don't know if it was an insurance thing or if there's like some Texas law or something, or if it was like his own personal practice. I'm not really sure the reason why he needed a therapist letter. Hmm. I was like, okay, well, I'm not seeing a gender therapist. I mean, I'm seeing a regular therapist, so I can bring it up with him and see if he can write me a letter or something. So I, you know, told my therapist, and I was like, it's like, okay, I don't know. I was like really nervous about this. (laughs) Um, I was like, okay, I think I want to, because by then I was using my birth name and she, her with this therapist. And uh, so I like, First of all, I had to come out to him and then be like, can you write a letter for me? Oh, man, you hadn't <laughs> yet come out to Yeah, <laughs> well, because I was also still, like, not sure. Yeah. Like, my, I was like, I'm fine using she, her at that time, basically. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think I am non-binary, but I'm okay using she, her. And then it, like, really happened all at once kind of thing where I saw these YouTubers and thought about it. Also, I think one of my friends or, like, a friend of a friend is a trans trans male also and had started hormones before this event happened, year basically. prior? yeah. And another friend of mine was also either had just gotten hormones or was like also like, yeah, I think he had gotten hormones like a couple months before this too. Hmm. It was all kind of like, yeah, all all coming together. Yeah. I remember telling these two people, I was like on Twitter basically and was like, I think I'm non, I'm non-binary, but like I can imagine one day in the future identifying as a trans male. And this friend was like, that means that you are a trans guy. Like, (laughs) What are you talking <laughs> They're about? They're like, hello! Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Well, sometimes you just can't put yourself in different shoes, yeah. I guess. I think you it, don't know what the experience is necessarily, right? Yeah. I think it was just hard. It seemed like a bigger step to identify as a trans guy than to be non-binary. It kind of seemed like non-binary was like in between. Yeah. Which it kind of is. It, it, it was like a kind of like baby step, I guess. It's definitely a place to explore what gender means to you. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that 
yeah, they're like, I don't know what gender I am, how I'm <laughs> supposed to identify, what pronouns are, so I'm just gonna, I'm just non-binary, and I'll figure it out yeah, from there. It's a um, good, it's a good catch-all. Because, yeah. like, I'm sure one non-binary person to the next experiences gender completely yeah. differently. And I'm sure there are a number of non-binary people who are like, yeah, this is where I live, this is where I stay, and this is where I want to be. And um, some other people are constantly changing, or they're on a different path. Yeah. So, gender's um, wacky and fun, guys. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, gender, yeah, it is really interesting. But like I said, like, when I was like, I want to start hormones, I was still non-binary, or still identified as non-binary. And I went to go see my therapist and told him about it, and he was like, totally cool. Your note. Well, he was, so I was seeing a therapist at a university clinic. So mm. not just for students, but it was more like the therapists you were seeing were PhD students who were like oh. learning to get their license. So they, this was like kind of practice for them. It sounds bad, but it. No, I did yeah. that when I went to the University of Utah. I yeah. went, they had, it was like $10 per session, which is way cheaper right. than anything else you could get. And it was people who were training Sometimes you need yeah. those people. And, like, the therapist I saw was really great. Like, I'm not saying that training clinicians are worse or better than, you know, experienced clinicians. It's just that they don't have their license, and so they have a supervisor. Yeah. But I, I thought he was great. Good. But because he was a training clinician, he was like, I don't think I can write a letter. I think my supervisor has to write it. And so he, like, later asked the supervisor, you know, after session, and then came back the next session was like, my supervisor, like, I don't I don't remember now exactly what it was, but he was, like, reluctant to write the letter until I kind of worked out some other mental health stuff. Because I was, uh, like, kind of in a crisis at that time. Well, so I don't think they wanted me to... Make a rash decision. Yeah, so we spent a few months working on stuff. Every time I'd come in, like, can you write the letter? Can we do it now? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was a little annoyed with that because I don't think... I don't think they really needed to wait. I think they could have... Yeah just done it to me that sounds like gatekeeping in a way and also silly that you would need a therapist right in the first place like yeah like university of utah they do informed consent and a lot of other places do it where you just you're an adult with a sound mind you make your own decisions also not everybody is seeing a therapist right which i think everybody should be i agree it's very helpful we take care of our bodies by going to the gym some of us not, not everyone, but, you know, if we're taking care of our physical health, we also need to be taking care of our mental health. Yes. So get a therapist and feel <laughs> empowered by it, folks. <laughs> I Yeah, I agree. I think everyone should see a, see a therapist. Yeah, so he wasn't writing the letter for a while, but while I was in the middle of working some, some non-gender stuff, other mental health stuff, I realized halfway through, I was like, oh, wait a minute, because my whole thing was... I don't think I'm a male. I I don't think I'm a man. I think I'm non-binary because I don't feel man. I don't feel what it what it means. <laughs> I don't feel man. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't feel male. I don't know what it means to feel male. So I don't feel anything. So maybe that means I'm non-binary. And then I thought for a while about it, and I was like, cis people don't feel their gender either, presumably. Like, yeah, because they never really think about it. They but just they kind of live in that space. Yeah, they somehow know what their gender is. Because I had kind of been under the presumption, like, cis people, trans binary people, 
they have somewhere in their chest, somewhere in their soul or their body or whatever, <laughs> a spot that's like, I am this gender. And I was like, well, I don't feel that. So I'm non-binary. <laughs> There's a little box inside yeah, there. Exactly. And it has your gender written on a little piece of paper that's folded up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you know. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't have that, then you're non-binary, obviously. So I realized, I was like, I don't think cis people, like cis people don't think about their gender. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think they feel their gender. They just know what it is. Also, at that point, I was, like, telling my friends, okay, I want to go by they, them pronouns, but also he, him. Like, you can use either. I just don't want she, her. And I had one friend that was like, I'm going to use he, him because I'm not really certain about, like, I'm not used to using they, them. And I was like, totally fine. That's why I gave you these options. Yeah. And so she was using he, him. And I was like, I kind of like that. You're like, ooh. I like that better. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. Uh, He, him. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, okay, never mind. I'm using he, him. I like that better. And yeah, I was like, I don't think I need to feel male. I think I can just say, yeah, I'm a man. Can just be male. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, I think honestly, I've thought about this too. And I've talked about this with my other trans male friends. If we lived not in a binary society, I wonder if I would still like, I mean, everything would be different. Who knows what, yeah. would, like, <laughs> what we would all identify as, but I would probably transition, you know, use hormones or whatever still. But I think I would maybe like on the inside still I am like non-binary but I think functionally that doesn't matter I think functionally I'm a man I don't I want people to see me as a male I want to use he him so even if maybe I feel non-binary or I don't know still what it feels like to be male I think it doesn't matter I am a man yeah essentially Um, so I kind of had this realization was like oh wait a minute okay I think I'm a trans guy yeah I am I am man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so interesting. Yeah, we've never talked about this before, so I didn't know this about you, but I've just been visualizing um <laughs> I like visualizing <laughs> things. You as this being exploring different spaces and then imagine the outline of Ronan, you guys can't see him, but imagine <laughs> the outline of a man with beautiful salt and pepper <laughs> hair exploring one facet and that doesn't work so it doesn't become colorful and then exploring this other facet and it doesn't become f- colorful and then exploring man and it's just like all oh, Ronan lights up oh and it's that like is, I so, am man that's so accurate yeah because like I said at one point I thought I was a lesbian and I was like I have figured it out this is it this is the end of my journey <laughs> and and it wasn't obviously and I was like there's still something wrong but yeah, it was like, I'm a trans guy. And like, literally, just as you said, it was like, <laughs> this explains so much. It's like, I, I am done. This is it. I am a trans guy. Yeah, like, that's a really good metaphor or like visualization of kind of how it felt. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, so I have so many questions. <laughs> I'm going to say them now, but then we can answer them in order. But I yeah. just want to put them all out there. I did want to ask you some maybe naive questions about yes. hormones. And then I want to ask you about, you mentioned before the podcast, or maybe also while we were talking, you're like, oh, I did it. Now I'm here. Yeah, You're always transitioning, but now you've completed the major portion of it. And I want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. So going back to hormones... Is it treatments that you have to take over time? Do you still have to take them? Yeah. So, and again, like you'll probably have to like get a trans woman on to talk about her experiences because I think it's as a a trans man, very different. Yeah. So as a trans male, 
if you're taking testosterone, you have basically three options and maybe more like two and a half, but you can either, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you can either take it as an injection. So like through a needle. I would have such a hard time with that. (laughs) And a lot of people do. That's another reason why a lot of people are very nervous about transitioning, about hormones is because I'm afraid of needles. Yeah. How am I supposed to... Are you afraid of needles? I'm not really. I don't really have a problem with it. Oh, so you're just like, Bob, yeah. Yeah. I can do this. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so you can either take it as an injection, either intramuscular or IM. So that's kind of like when you get a shot from the doctor, it goes into your... Sounds horrible. (laughs) (laughs) It goes into intramuscular tissue, like in your arm. So I do it IM through my thigh. Or you can take it subcutaneously, which it's a much shorter needle. I'm really sorry for Jordan or anyone else listening who is afraid (laughs) of needles. I am squirming, but it's okay. (laughs) If you are afraid of needles, maybe, I don't know, don't listen to this part or something. Subcutaneous needles are a lot shorter, and IM needles needles are not that long they're like an inch inch, yeah showing me about an inch long i think subcutaneous is what is that like maybe a quarter inch it's a little it's like between a quarter inch and an inch basically and you put it you're, no. You keep touching your your spine. Oh, sorry. I'm, like, itching. Oh. <laughs> no, yeah. no, you don't put it there. I do know some people put their IM needles in their buttocks, in their butt. Um, the gluteus maximus. Yeah, the gluteus maximus. And I guess, like, maybe their partner helps them out or something. But subcutaneous goes into your stomach. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it sounds horrible, but it's a much shorter needle, and it just goes, like, under the skin. So that's what subcutaneous oh, yeah. means. I was like, I know that word. Yeah, so sub, like under, cutaneous, like the cutaneous layer, layer of skin. your skin. Yeah. So it, IM has to go, like I do it completely perpendicular. It has to go through my my leg. No, I mean not through my leg, but like, yeah. you know, deep into, into, your into your the muscle. Subcutaneous just goes right under. So for people that are afraid of needles, it is apparently a much better option. Because okay. you're still doing needles, but it's... I mean, IM doesn't really hurt. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. I think it's it's easier. You have to push the needle into your leg, and it's sometimes really nerve-wracking to be like, all right, I'm pushing it in. <laughs> but subcutaneous, you just kind of go, I, I've never done it, so I don't really know, but it's yeah. just like, boop, and then... So that's option one, is yeah. injections. Yeah, so two ways to do injections. Option oh, okay. two, yeah, yeah. so you, this that was like the half. two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other option is a gel, so it's called androgel. Androgel. So oh, I was like, like Andrew? Yeah, Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> yeah, Andro, so like andro male. Uh, it's kind of a funny name, I think, but yeah, it's so it's just a topical skin gel. You just put it like a lotion. Oh, but you have to do it every day. So the injection is every week. And okay, the gel is every day. So if you're really afraid of needles, you can do gel, but I think it's more expensive. Mm. Um, and you also have to remember to do it every day. Yeah. So if you are not good at remembering, because I have a friend who would not forget, great. and it, like, fucks up your hormones and, it, like, messes with your mood and uh, all that yeah. stuff. So you well, don't want to mess with your hormones. People. I guess for <laughs> anybody that's listening, and I, I kind of ask for the purpose of if anybody is curious about it and has thought about transitioning and doing hormones, knowing the options, which I'm sure they can look up, but it's nice to hear from somebody. Which is, Um, again, like, why, because I watched these YouTubers and saw what they looked like and they talked about their transition and I was like, oh. Oh, it's it's doable. It's possible. Exactly, yeah. So it's good to hear, you know, not reading clinical stuff online to actually, like, hear from someone. Yeah. And you said it's just testosterone. Yes. So I just take testosterone and I take it every week and I will have to take it my whole life. So if I stop taking it, 
So there are things that testosterone changes, and there are some things that testosterone won't change. So basically hormones, and this is the same for trans women too, hormones like add on, they don't remove. Okay. If you're a trans woman, you take estrogen, you get breasts. It's adding on to what you don't have. You will develop breasts if you take estrogen. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I feel naive. (laughs) I mean, that's okay. (laughs) I guess I'm also not a trans woman. Right, exactly. I didn't go through the process. You don't really like look for stuff like that you don't like what's what happens yeah if you take estrogen you know <laughs> but that's like what you know as afab people that's what basically happened your body you're taking estrogen yeah. but like because but i guess if i took testosterone it wouldn't get rid of my boobs right so that's the thing is that hormones don't remove stuff so that's why you need on. to take top surgery or trans women you know will have surgery to remove certain facial features that are kind of more masculine looking or what is it bottom surgery basically like genital surgery to remove any external stuff yeah hormones add on hormones also move body tissue around or body fat i mean because i guess men and women carry fat in different places yeah exactly so have you seen your body fat going to different places yeah a little bit i mean you're also just a very fit looking human being yeah so that's that's the thing too uh, my face is like it's it's really interesting because I've seen my face pre-transition and now it doesn't look that much different, but it is like oh there is something different about it. So it's like <laughs> it kind of masculinized it, you know, a little bit. Hmm. Hormones, if you take it as an adult, if you're taking you know if you're transitioning as an adult, it can't change your bone structure. Okay. So it can't make you taller, make your you know for trans men. We won't do anything with your hips. You're like yeah, your, um, and I know your hip bones. Sometimes shoulder being broad. That's more of a uh, male characteristic. Right. I think if you take hormones when you're people don't give hormones to kids. Obviously, yeah. Even twelve year olds, they don't give them to twelve year olds. But they do take, around eighteen. Yeah. Right? I think also if you're sixteen, I think you can start hormones. So okay. if you're around that age, I think it can affect your bone structure. If you're a trans guy and you're 16 and you're taking hormones, I think it can make you a little bit taller. That's weird to think about. Right. We can manipulate our (laughs) our bodies. Yeah. I mean, it's cool and empowering that we can, you know, look the way that we want to look. It it is really crazy. Like, my friends and I were like, testosterone or hormones are like one hell of a drug. Like, literally, (laughs) it changes so much. What testosterone also does is it gives you facial hair, more body hair in general. So I am like, I mean, I don't, for the listeners who can't see me, I don't have a lot of facial hair. It's not like I'm fully bearded, but I do have a little chin strap beard. And it's like, it's a little frustrating because it's just on the chin and I look like some... Well, to be fair, there are a lot of just cis men who also struggle with facial yeah, hair. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, will that change, do you know, do you think? So I've been hair? on testosterone for almost two years now. I believe after five years is when, wait, maybe it, maybe it's ten, no. Five, five to, or ten five years. Five to eight, <laughs> I think, is when hormones stop changing things. Like okay. after five to eight years. So it's kind of like puberty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's literally like it's literally puberty. You start so you're on, going through your second puberty. Yeah, that's what people say is like second puberty. <laughs> yeah, some things happen fast. Some things happen really slow. I think after five to eight years, whatever things have happened, that's will kind be, of where yeah. you're at. 
I'm basically like a 17 year old boy at this point. So whatever like <laughs> facial hair I have is like with beautiful salt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I don't know if I will get a full beard. I, it's really also genetic too. So you kind of look oh, at the male people in your lives. Like, okay, what do they struggle with growing a beard? My brother did. So maybe oh, I will, yeah. but also my dad didn't. So I don't know. A lot of trans guys have male pattern baldness. But you have to look at your the men in your family like yeah. is male pattern baldness. I always heard it's your, your mom's dad that carries the gene. I don't mm, know I don't why, know. <laughs> <laughs> but I've heard that a lot. Okay. So if your mom's dad is bald, then you might be. <laughs> but you definitely don't look like you're balding. Yeah, so. I don't think, and it's not even. I don't even think yeah. that the temples are really good. My dad's side of the family doesn't. I take more after him too. So who knows? Yeah. But. And it changes your voice, too. I don't know exactly what it does to the vocal cords, but it gives you a deeper voice. I know that the closer they are, then they're either high pitch or low pitch, and then the further apart, they're either low pitch <laughs> or high pitch. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Science. And so... then when you're sick like I am right now, they do something all weird, and then right. it just changes. Sick. Not COVID for yeah. the listeners. Not, yep, we I all got COVID, COVID tests. <laughs> I got three tests, and they're all negative, and mm-hmm. Georgie got at least one, and yep. it's negative, so <laughs> we're fine. Yep. I just sound like a person who has smoked cigarettes yeah. for 60 years. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, so hormones, again, they add on, they can't take away. So that's why trans women, something about the way hormones affect your vocal cords, you can't remove that effect. So trans women taking estrogen doesn't make their voice higher. They have to do vocal training. So it's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So if I were to stop taking testosterone, going back to my stuff, yeah, the original question on what is the medical side of it look like, I guess I have to take it my whole life because if I stopped... It would be my natural producing estrogen would just kick back in. And I would kind of be like transitioning back into female <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Like, so I have, I have top surgery. So I have a, a flat masculine looking chest. They remove the breast tissue. So I don't think if I took estrogen, I don't think breasts would grow back. Um, that's a one time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the body fat would redistribute again. My skin would soften. My skin now, especially my face is like... It's not really acne. Um, I know some people have it a lot worse. Again, it's like all Oh, genetics. yeah, because you're going through puberty. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and also men, they have more oily faces. They do? Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, testosterone Why? makes you oily. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> That's so funny. Right, yeah. So it's... Oily men. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it stops after puberty. But also, like, estrogen makes your skin just soft. You oh. have, like, more, like... That's interesting. Soft, like lotiony skin or something. <laughs> so my skin is, I don't know, it's not like not soft, but it is like kind of more, I, there's definitely like if, if you look at pictures of me pre-T and T is the like trans male yeah. shortening of testosterone. So if you hear people talk about T, it's just the letter T. But pre-T and post-T, my face does look, the skin looks different, you know? Huh. So if I were to stop, that would go back to like more like a smooth, soft skin. My body fat would probably redistribute again. I already had a masculine looking face, like my jawbone. So that wouldn't change. Yeah, but you it, do have a good job. Yeah. <laughs> but my voice wouldn't change. My voice would stay the way it is now. Oh, My okay. facial hair would stay. So hormones can do some stuff and can't do other things, so... It can add on, and then some of the add-ons stay if you stop. Right. Huh. Yeah. So interesting. Wow, our bodies are so strange. Yeah. It, 
yeah, hormones are crazy, like how much power they have. Yeah, over hormones. Your body. What a hell of a drug. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> huh. Through all of that, and then coming to now, you say you've accomplished most of your transition journey, but you also are still transitioning. Is transitioning an endless thing, do you think? Yeah, I think a lot of trans people will talk, will say this where it's like, you don't really stop. It's kind of like when you talk about like coming out as like a gay person or a queer person. You don't just have one coming out, right? Yeah. You have to kind of always do it, depending on the situation or whatever. So it's like kind of the same for that, where, you know, you might always have to come out as trans or, you know, I have to take hormones the rest of my life. So, and also I think people talk about this. It's not like I have completed transitioning because some people don't want to get top surgery. Some people yeah. don't want to change their name. Some people don't want to do hormones, you know? So it's not like I have like checked all the boxes and yeah. I am a complete trans person. That's not the case for a lot of people. Either they can't or they don't want to. Not everyone needs to get top surgery to be trans, you know, or change your name. But I wanted to get top surgery. I wanted to change my name. I got that legally changed. I also got it legally changed right when COVID happened. Oh, gosh. So that was, and I was moving to Utah. All at once. Uh, I do not recommend doing that. <laughs> if anyone wants to change their name, don't do it in the middle, at the beginning of a pandemic. I, like, it was like... Highly don't recommend making big life choices at the beginning of a pandemic. Yeah. It was, was it just a lot of backed up paperwork? Yeah, basically. So I started hormones February 2020, so right before everything happened. And then, like, that day that I got my hormones, I was like, I'm going to the lawyer. <laughs> you also don't need a lawyer to change your name. Anyone listening, you can do it on your own. But I didn't want to mess it up. I wanted to just get it over with. And so I was like, I will just pay a little bit extra money to get a, get lawyer. a lawyer to take care of it. But yeah, so I, I went to the lawyer, was like, I'm changing my name to this. He was like, okay, we need these documents he needed a therapist letter he needed a doctor letter the doctor basically like i have seen this patient i don't think i just started hormones i haven't had any surgery am i allowed to change my my gender marker basically and he was like i don't know what the actual law is but he was like if you get a doctor's note saying like, that he sees good. you then it's fine <laughs> yeah well that's nice yeah so because i had seen my doctor because remember, I saw this doctor and he was like, you need a therapist letter. And then my therapist kind of took a while to do that. But because I'd seen that doctor months, if not a year before I'd actually gotten hormones, he was like, I have seen you for technically a year. Mm -hmm. So yeah. <laughs> here, here's a letter saying I've seen you for a year. You know? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, at least that weird therapy process paid off or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so in February or like, actually, I think it was finally March, right before I think the pandemic it's like the beginning of March. I got all my paperwork in. And I was like, here you go. It. And he was like, sounds good. I will file this and let you know. Can I ask you, where did you get the name Ronan from? I think it's a great name. <laughs> yeah. Ronan is an Irish name that means little seal, which is really oh, cute. Yeah. <laughs> that is really cute. Yeah. <laughs> I, and are you Irish? I think like my great grandpa was. So it's not like a very close connection, but... That's okay. Um, it's also my, a little seal. So. Yeah. Also, my birth name was also Irish. And so I kind of wanted to keep, stay, it. keep it. Yeah. yeah. Um, changing your name is so weird, you know, because mm -hmm. it's like you're used to one name. And even if that name doesn't really work you're it's like still what you yeah you're like how am i gonna change by? this yeah. yeah you hear stories of trans people who like 
misgender themselves or dead name themselves. The dead name is referring to your birth name, but yeah, I think that you no longer use. It yeah. is now dead. It's now yeah, so I think that's the way people use it. That name is dead, but I think that term originated because that's the name people will call you once you're dead, which kind of sucks. Oh. If you in a transphobic world, which we still kind of are in, yeah. People are like, they went by this name in life. But we're still going to call them. But they were actually name. born with the name exactly. Teresa. And so we're going to call her Teresa. Yeah. And it's like, actually, his name is Terrence. Right. Um, we need to double check that, but I'm pretty sure that that's where the oh, term I, dead name first originated. I didn't know that. And that is too bad. Yeah, it can suck. <laughs> A lot of people now use dead name as like, that name is dead to me, basically. So it's weird changing your name. A lot of people, you'll hear trans people misgendering themselves or dead naming themselves because they're, you know, that's just... They're just They've lived it. with those pronouns and that name for, you know, however however long. You know, for me, it was like 27 years. And so, you know, it's hard to switch that, even if it's not what you're comfortable with. So as for why I picked Ronan, um, I, you know, I made a list. I looked on, like, baby names, as a lot of people do. <laughs> There's, like, a joke that's, like, baby names is for authors and trans people, not even really for being yeah. parents, you know, like... <laughs> I picked Ronan because it's Irish. It's two syllables. My birth name was also two syllables. The ending sound, the n, Ronin, is kind of similar to the way my birth name ended, too. I was like, this is kind of, this will, like, kind of maybe help people transition to it. I help think that makes me transition sense. to it. Yeah. And it's weird now because, like, Ronan is just my name. Like, you it know, is it's your name. It's not I don't even... know you by anything else. Right. And even though and I, I know you by no other gender. Right. You're just <laughs> my man friend named Ronan. <laughs> <laughs> and even though I know my birth name and a lot of people in my life know my birth name, it's just is literally like not my name anymore. It's not even like a triggering thing or like a shitty thing to read. It's just like, oh, like that's not me. You're you like, know? oh, different person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to refer to myself as he and male, it's I don't know. It's it's like I'm still <laughs> not used to it. It's still weird. Well, what a yeah. fun thing for you to experience. Yeah. And I'm sure as you move forward, that experience is going to keep changing. Yeah. But I would be fascinated by the whole process, and I imagine. You are too. Yeah. Just with your own emotions and reactions and the way that you interact with yourself. Yeah. I, yeah, I will say, cause again, it's, it's really hard to decide to go on hormones and to change your name and stuff and to make the first step you do in transitioning is the hardest and every step afterward becomes easy. But like making that first step was so hard. And I think I told my therapist at the time, the reason why I want to do this is like imagining myself in 10 years, 10 years on hormones I would be so much happier Aww. than if I wasn't 10 years on, you know. Yeah. Like, like I want to be that 10-year-on-hormone person. I want to be, are I want you, to have transitioned 10 years in the future. Are you happier now as a two-year-on-hormones <laughs> person compared to two years ago? Yeah. And again, now it's like, it's two years and it's like, this is how I've been for a long time. And then you moved to Utah. I moved to Utah. And then you just were Ronan and you yeah. were he, him. That's how a lot of people you now are. know me. Yeah. By now, it's like, it's just normal. I don't even really think about it a lot. But like I said, it took me 10 years to basically like figure out what yeah. I wanted to do. Those 10 years, there was a lot of gender dysphoria for so long. And I mean, like probably in my childhood too, that I didn't really like know about. So transitioning was like such a big change in my life like for the yeah. better i i it knew just filled instantly, you up with all the colors yeah like your <laughs> little metaphor it's so accurate like it literally 
you know, it didn't fix everything. Of course, like there's so many, you know, a lot of other things in my life that are going on that are yeah. s- stressful and whatever. But at least I figured that out. And that was a big part of my life. Oh, yeah. Well, that's so nice. <laughs> that's so touching to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you have body dysphoria before? Yeah. So this is another thing why it was a little bit hard to figure out was because I felt like I didn't have it as bad as other people did. Before top surgery, I had a pretty small chest. I realized at some point that I didn't have to wear a binder, which for your listeners, if you don't know, a binder is like a really tight compression vest. It just like keeps your your chest tight. So it kind of looks like you have a flat chest. Yeah, so I had a small chest. I didn't have to wear a binder a lot of the time. A lot of shirts I would wear without a binder still kind of looked like I had a flat chest. Yeah. I'm a pretty like skinny, like you said, fit dude. It's a lot harder for curvier people and, like, bigger yeah. people who have bigger breasts, bigger hips, smaller. I'm not I'm not tall. I'm, like, 5'5 five, five or something. But I'm not short either. Like, yeah. a lot of trans guys or AFAB trans mass people are pretty short, 5'2 or something. And that's really hard mm-hmm. to have people understand that you're a guy. I did have gender dysphoria, but it didn't seem as bad as other people. So that was another reason why it was kind of hard to figure out. That's I'm not as valid as them. Yeah. Or like, maybe I'm okay with this. And I think a lot of AFAB trans mass people have this thing too, where it's like, since there's so much sexism in the world, there's so much body stuff about women. Body shame. Yeah, body shame. As a trans mask person, you're like, do I have gender dysphoria? Or, or am I just ashamed of my yeah, body? Yeah, or is, did I, have I internalized oh, a lot of that's, sexism? And, that's something I'll have to think about. Because yeah. it's obvious to people that I have boobs, and then I'm, I'm curvy enough to be curvy. And I, yeah... I grew up with a lot of the body shame and then also dysphoria when I wear certain things and thinking about the two together is really interesting. Yeah. So, you know, I think for a long time I was like, do I just not, you know, want to be a woman because of sexism or... (laughs) Because of body shame. Yeah. Like... Or do I I just want to be a man? Right. It was like, am I uncomfortable being a woman? Yeah. Because of, am I trans or am I just because the world is shitty and gives you... Mm -hmm. And then YouTube was like, you're trans! <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of other people, or a lot of other stories of trans people talking to their past selves, or like, people like me at the time who were like, baby trans, or like, unsure, gender questioning, essentially. I think one thing, if any listeners are questioning your gender, and you're like, I don't know, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm cis, it's like, cis people don't question their gender yeah and if they do they're like well i don't know but if you are spending like me 10 years thinking (laughs) Thinking about about gender that means something like cis people don't do that huh that's yeah yeah way to put it yeah (laughs) yeah thanks for sharing that yeah (laughs) for me personally right yeah if anyone else like at least if one person yeah and there's like a lot of other affirmations question mark or realizing you're trans or like maybe you're not cis or something but i think that was the biggest one it's like cis people don't spend hours or days or months or years they just are yeah And maybe that's why some don't understand right off the bat gender fluidity or Mm -hmm. nine non-binary. I was trying to make <laughs> that into... Binary. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to make that into a verb or an adjective, but being non-binary. I saw a thing that, you know, there's obviously a lot of transphobia and people don't understand, cis people don't understand trans yeah. stuff, let alone non-binary stuff, but even just like transitioning into from male to female or female to male. But I saw someone point out that cis people, one reason why they're having this difficulty of like 
you know, why would a man or why would, yeah, especially think about trans women. Trans women yeah. have so much visibility and like transphobia and, um, yeah, like why would a man want to be a woman? Yeah. Women are shit and yeah. have it like shit. And I was, that was me trying to <laughs> sound like a Fox News anchor. Right. It didn't yeah. work. <laughs> but especially if you think about like the bathroom issue and stuff of like, I don't want men in my in the women's bathroom or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, because cis people are seeing trans people as their gender assigned at birth, right? Yeah, I mean, of course. Which is the whole transphobia thing. But a cis male is identifying with a trans woman and being like, I don't understand why a man would transition to a mm-hmm. woman. What he should be identifying with is with a trans man. Yeah, with you. like <laughs> if you are, yeah, with me. Like if you are uncomfortable with men being feminized, mm-hmm. then you should identify with trans men because we are men that grew up unknowingly by society and by our parents and by our friends and teachers and whatever but like kind of forced to live as a woman Mm -hmm. so if you are against that you should help trans men (laughs) and cis women if you are like I know a lot of cis women, especially like cis lesbians, not your lesbian. Lesbians are great. I love, <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to like. You thought you were a lesbian. Right, exactly. I thought I was a lesbian. You know, lesbians are wonderful, but you do kind of see a lot of transphobia or there are some lesbians who are transphobic. Um, yeah, I have seen it. Yeah. And there's so, a trope, I think, in the L word about it. Oh, is there? I haven't yeah. seen the L word. Or maybe word. not. Maybe it's a different show. The L word's very dramatic. It's just okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it was formative to a lot of people in the 90s. Right. So. But I think a lot of transphobic lesbians and like TERFs, trans exclusionary radical feminists, which. Oh, okay. I was like, what's a TERF? Oh, have you never heard that? No. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, we shouldn't even call them TERFs because it labels them as feminists, which they're not because they're yeah. against trans women. So a lot of TERFs and like transphobic lesbians, they'll, they'll say stuff about trans men masculinizing women and like when Elliot Page came out um, yeah you know Elliot Page identified as a uh, lesbian for a long time and I then was Elliot like Page. yeah <laughs> he's yeah he's great but he identified as a lesbian and then was like no wait I'm a trans guy this is like a pretty mm-hmm. common get happened with me it happened with a lot of my friends and so like these transphobic lesbians are like we've lost another one to Ugh. to sexism because society treats men better or whatever Oh, that makes me angry. <laughs> yeah. But, like, again, they should be identifying with trans women. Yeah. Like, you are, trans women are women who mm-hmm. have been have been masculinized, forced to be masculine when they don't want to be, you know? Like, Gosh, and if their frame of mind is, oh, we lost another yeah. one, why isn't it also like, oh, hell yeah, we gained another yeah. one? Transphobia is it's, frustrating. Yep. And rooted, I think, just in fear. Yeah. I think... I mean, we all know society's getting a little better as it goes on. Yeah, around. yeah, but for sure. Could it's be still, a little faster. It could be, yeah. It could be a little <laughs> better than what it is. Let's talk about how your experience was positive yeah. and what made it positive for you. Yeah, I had a lot of support. I didn't experience a lot of transphobia, um, personally at least. Like, you know, I would read all these stories of people and would be nervous of the potential transphobia that people might have, but I never really had it directly. Yeah. When I socially transitioned, so basically, like, told people, I'm trans, I want to go by this name and pronouns, that's what socially transitioned means, I was working two jobs at the time. So I first did it with my one of my jobs. I worked at a library. And the reason why I started with this job was... Because this is a pretty small library. It was like a small city, not like tiny town, but it was a relatively small city in Texas. 
really small library. There was probably like 20 people working at the library and we're all like pretty close. And there was at one point someone, I don't know if you guys know how libraries work, but if you don't like a book, or (laughs) not if you don't like a book, but if you disagree with a book's contents, maybe if there's like some book that was a Holocaust denying book or something, you can be like, this probably shouldn't be in the public so you can say, hey, I don't think this should be here, and yeah. the library will consider it? Yeah, they'll, oh, they'll consider it. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So there was a book that was a collection of stories from trans kids. They're talking about their experiences. I think this is kind of kind of weird. I think this book <laughs> had some backlash in Australia or something. Hmm. And like this woman in the city we lived in probably like vaguely heard about this, didn't really know anything about it, but just was like, oh, I guess this book is bad. And so complained to the library, like, you shouldn't have this book. I think there is a, one of the stories, one of the kids had experienced sexual assault. And so I think this is why the woman was... Com- yeah, the book was about trans kids either transitioning or what their experiences were being trans. And, and then so- this woman was like, I heard in Australia this was controversial. <laughs> right. It might be because there's sexual assault in it. Please take it away from your yeah, library. Yeah, it's like... Teenagers shouldn't be reading this. All that being said is that the librarians met with the friends of the library, quote unquote, which is like what the citizen com- committee sort okay. of community yeah, but board. It, yeah, it's like a board essentially. So the librarians and the and the board kind of got together and talked about this book. Because if you complain about a book and you're like, I don't think this should be here, they're not going to instantly. Yeah, they have to discuss it. Yeah, I wasn't in on this meeting, but I heard about it later. But the board, the friends of the library, were essentially like. This book is really important for any trans kids that are in our community. They need to read this book. Aww. Yeah. And so when I heard about that, I was like... You're like, I'm going to socially like, come out This is to a safe place bitches. for me to come out. Yeah, exactly. So I told my boss, I like pulled my boss aside and I was like so nervous. Because again, like I said, the first step you take is the hardest. Yeah. And everything after that becomes easy. So this was the first time I was coming out to someone. Not I, I'd come out to my friends, but... That was a little different. They'd kind of been on a little bit of my journey of like... Yeah, and it sounds like they are, were part of the LGBT community. Yeah, in some way. Or they had friends who were, and so they kind yeah. of knew. Yeah, this, this was a big experience of like, I am coming out. This is official to change my name and to have my coworkers know me as trans and whatever. Like, pulled my boss aside and was like... Uh, I have something to tell you. It's like so nervous. Like, You're like shaking. I know. I was, I was like bursting it. into tears or whatever. I was like, I'm trans, and she was like, she's like, oh, that's like I, I don't remember her exact reaction, but it was it was very positive. Like yeah. it was really great. I can't imagine it being like, thank you for sharing with me. I'm right. Yeah. So happy for you yeah, to exactly. have figured this out. Yeah. It was it was stuff like that, and so she was like, okay, we will figure this out. I will like talk with. You know, if you're okay with it, I'll talk with HR. I will talk with your supervisor. We will figure out what we need to do to change your name. Um, Oh, that's so kind. (laughs) Do you guys want to be a good boss? And I need to stop using guys because it's gendered. Right. If you people... If you all. If you all, if you folks... I want to be a good boss. That's a really good thing to do. Right. <laughs> is just 100% be supportive of uh, LGBTQ issues generally. Right. And it was cool because so I met with her. So this was like the director of the library. I was a circulation assistant or clerk. So basically, if you go into a library and you're like, I want to check out this book. Mm-hmm. I was like that person at the desk checking the book out. So my supervisor and then... Since I also did story time for the kids. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. (laughs) The youth librarian who was in charge of, like, the kids stuff was also in on this meeting because she was also kind of my supervisor, sort of. Okay. So we, like, all met. We're like, okay, this is what HR said. So Dallas is a pretty good LGBT 
hub, I guess. Like, there's a Gaberhood, there's a resource center, things like that. And so she said she had, I guess, talked with someone at the resource center, and they gave her some information on what to do if your employee comes out, basically, oh, cool. or transitions or whatever. So she's like, we're going to give this to our employees. It had some cool stuff to, to kind of help explain gender stuff because like we were saying like cis people can't really like yeah. understand it a little bit they never really thought about it yeah and if you're never exposed to it then yeah how can you expect them to be right and so it said some cool stuff like everyone uses pronouns everyone has a gender assigned at birth you know this isn't stuff unique to trans people it's just that these terms are always used for trans people and so yeah. you kind of associate those pronouns and assigned at birth is like that's ah, a weird weird thing that i don't know but it's like no everyone has a gender assigned at birth it's just that you identify with that gender. You're yeah. fine with it. You just never thought about it. My boss at the time, she said this other thing was like, when I talked with the resource center in Dallas, they can send someone to go to your workplace and explain transness and what it means to come out and how to treat your trans employee and coworker respectfully and stuff. So she's like, we're going to have this person come and do like a little meeting or something with everyone. So that was cool, too. Yeah, that's super yeah. nice. And you're just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is exciting. Yeah, and she was like, do you want to be present or do you not want to? And I was like, I was like, I don't think I want to be present because I want to give my coworkers the space to, like, ask awkward questions without Yeah, without feeling there. guilty yeah. and, yeah. Right. I don't know if that actually happened, but I, I wanted to give them that opportunity. Yeah, that's thoughtful of you. <laughs> I might have been like, yeah, I want to be there. But no, that's a better way to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so I came out to them. They changed my, got a new ID card and name yeah. tag. They couldn't change my name on the payroll because you need to have your name yeah. legally changed. But yeah, they were like, this is Ronan. He's using he, him pronouns, you know. Like. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, one down. Yeah, and that's a lot of support, yeah. like, yeah. for your first step. Right away, yeah, exactly. So and I then you came out to your next job? Came or? out to my other job. This was, like, right before Christmas, um, the holidays. And so I came out to my boss, and she was like, this is awesome, no problem. I think she said that this was at a, a big, like, science museum in Dallas. So it was, like, Ooh, a lot of employees. you worked at a science museum? Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. I was an educator. I taught science to little kids and stuff. That's so cool. Um, I didn't yeah. know that about you. Yeah. <laughs> but so there's a pretty big museum, a lot of employees. So I think a lot of departments and stuff. But I yeah. think she, she said that at some point there had been other trans employees. I didn't know who they were. They might have been in different departments or maybe they had left by the time I yeah. got there. But yeah, so it had happened before that people had transitioned. So it was like there's already like kind of a protocol on what to do. But she was like, this is great. No worries. We will do whatever, you know, you need to be comfortable <laughs> And because it was, like, right before the holidays, we decided, okay, after the holidays, when everyone's kind of returned and is not taking off work and we're back into the flow of work and, yes, yeah, flow of things is when we'll send an email out to just the department. Again, it's a big museum with a lot of employees. Not everyone needs to know. Yeah. No one, not everyone knows who I am. I'm like, okay, who is Some this? Some people will never meet you. Yeah. I don't know who this Ronin is. <laughs> but, like, so just in my department basically telling everyone so that was also good it was pretty like seamless got a new name tag name badge and whatever nice yeah and so i was like okay you're like two down yeah. that was awesome now i gotta come out to my parents <laughs> oh i was wondering where your family yeah. fell into that yeah so i was nervous about my parents not because i thought that they would react badly because like again we kind of mentioned my mom my mom is open-minded she was yeah i knew that she would take it well but it's one thing, I guess, to kind of be like, I don't know, maybe I'm non-binary. Yeah. And to be like, I am changing my name. I'm changing my pronouns. 
I am take hormones. I'm going to look different. You know, like it's a little bit different. Yeah. So I was a little nervous and I didn't know how my dad would react. I knew he wouldn't be negative for LGBT stuff. I knew he was supportive, but I, I just don't have the best relationship yeah, with him. Um, that's fair. And it's also my thing was, okay, I know he's supportive of LGBT stuff, but it's different when it's your own kid, yeah. you know? So I'd like, I just didn't know. I had no idea what, how he would react. And it's just nerve wracking having people that know you so well and having to be like, psych. Right. I'm changing reality (laughs) and your parents i mean we all have distinctly weird relationships with our parents because it's such a unique thing that you have with no one else exactly yeah even other family members and maybe weird's the wrong word but it's that unique for sure so yeah so i was really nervous this was like around christmas time and i lived close by so i was like i'm home and hanging out (laughs) and I was like okay it's like after dinner we're like cleaning up and gonna get you know a drink or something and I was like I should do it now like before now's the time now's the time disperse or something and so I was like hey guys I have something to tell you basically yeah I I came out to them. I was really nervous. I think I started crying. My mom was like, you don't have to cry. And I was Aww. like, because it's release of stress, basically. Like, yeah. She was like, don't be sad. And I'm like, I'm not sad. I'm just <laughs> overwhelmed. <laughs> but my dad reacted fine. He didn't react any way that I kind of thought he would. He was like, oh, that, that's great. That's this is- cool. Yeah. Thumbs basically. up. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that ended up being like really fine. They were 100%. I think at that time also, I was like, I haven't picked a middle name yet. So maybe like you guys could help me out Aww, so that way that's cute yeah but when it came down to picking my middle name to like legally change my middle name yeah i was like all right guys what do you want my middle name to be down to the wire and they're like you can decide and i was like okay never mind You're like, like oh. i gave you this gesture <laughs> but it's, it's fine do you have a middle name yeah it's briar briar yeah that's a good one <laughs> plant ronan briar Hart. yes oh, that's a great name and then my good brother job. thank you yeah i do like i do like that i named myself briar it's just like you know middle names don't mean anything they're just they're, they're just fun but they're nice yeah. yeah i like my middle name it works out what is your middle name alexi oh, so it's that's cute georgie alexi corkery <laughs> and i love it <laughs> yeah, yeah it's so good it's alexi after my uncle alex oh cute so and alexi is a male name yeah it's like a russian yeah in yeah, russia it's awesome but it's spelt different okay. so like ie instead of E-I. it's a l e x e Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. It took That's me a long awesome. time to learn how to spell when I was a little kid. Yeah. I don't know why. Because <laughs> you're like, what's with this E? <laughs> yeah. I was, I'm also still, but definitely was back then too, severely dyslexic. Yeah. So. And how did your brother take it? Oh, yeah. Very funny. I came, when I came out to my brother, he, I, you know, I kind of told, again, like, kind of with my mom, maybe, maybe I'm not female. Like, I don't yeah. know. So he'd kind of been along with me for a little bit of it. And so when I was like, I am Ronan, I am he, him, like, this is final, you know, he's like, great, perfect. And he did say something like, I would have been surprised, I would have been more surprised if you had ended up being cis than if you weren't some kind of (laughs) trans or something. He's like, obviously, you're some kind of gender or something. It would have been more weird if you were like, no, I'm cis, I'm a female. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool of your brother to say. Yeah. like, yeah, totally support you and this makes sense for you i'm down you're like yes cool sounds like a cool brother good mom good brother and yeah yeah lots of support yeah for sure so this was like two years ago literally two years ago around this time Mm. when i first came out but i haven't seen a lot of family since then so i saw a lot of them over thanksgiving 
And before then, I was like, ask my mom, do people know? Like, what <laughs> do people know? Does extended family yeah. know that like, I'm a man? <laughs> right. That I'm, yeah, using this name and everything. And she's like, anyone who's anyone knows already. So I, guess, <laughs> I guess she told people. Which I know for some people, I thought about it later. For some people, that probably wouldn't have been the right move. Maybe they wanted to come out and tell their own story yeah. or something. But for me, it was better. Like, I would have rather my mom tell everyone and maybe answer awkward questions than than me. So I'm glad yeah. that she did that. I definitely have a friend who recently, one of their parents came out to the whole family for them just being gay, and that was like a really big Mm no-no because it also wasn't necessarily a safe space to be gay. So yeah, keep that in mind if you do have a family member who is coming out as queer or trans or non-binary. That's not just information that you share. Yeah, maybe at least ask first. (laughs) Consent is important. Yeah, so again, like, I was totally fine with my mom doing it. I was a lot happier that she did it instead of me having to do it at Thanksgiving or... Yeah. So... (laughs) Yeah, like... (laughs) Yeah. I'm making the gesture of tapping your spoon on your drink, and you're like, hello, everybody, I'd like you to know that I'm a man. God, that would have been They're like, yeah, we can tell. (laughs) Yeah. We see that. (laughs) Right, that's the other thing is I'm two years on hormones if my mom hadn't done that and I had to tell people. Yeah. So again, I'm glad that my mom did that. But it was great because everyone knew and everyone called me Ronan. Everyone used he. You know, there was a couple slip ups, but everyone did it gracefully. You know, like how when you're like kind of training, like, okay, this is how to meet a trans person, how to address pronouns. You know, there's like those training things. And it's like, if you do misgender, if you do mess up, don't over apologize or correct yourself. Sorry. And and then go. And that's what they did. And I was totally surprised. And your whole family? I know. And at one point, my my great aunt, (laughs) who's, you know, 80 years old or something, she turns to me and she's like, so you use he, him, right? And I was like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I was so totally cute. amazed. But then I also found out that her grandchild, so like my first cousin, is uh, non-binary. So they're like 18 or something by okay. now. I knew them when they were like six. Now they're an adult. But yeah, so they're non-binary. So I think my great aunt yeah. uh, was already kind of familiar with transness and like, pronouns and stuff. But it's, I mean, that's still yeah, really that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. And I think that... It all comes back to, for me, having good representation. Yeah. I mean, that's why, again, I think we should talk about your positive experience yeah. and why I do my conscious content consumption. And the more visible people are, the better, because we're all so freaking different and weird, but we do have people that we can relate to, and that is so important. Right. Yeah. Like, if you... And maybe now nowadays it's a little different, but maybe, like, ten years ago, five years ago... If you're cis and you're like, well, I don't know any trans people. And it's like, we well, probably did. Yeah. They just didn't tell you. And it's like, so now people are coming out and more than likely you are going to come across. Actually, it is like 100% likely that you will at one point come across a trans person, whether you know it or not. Yeah. Like, again, maybe yeah, we can talk about this now where I said like I'm past a certain point of my transition where I'm like, I have reached the end goal where and but what I mean by that, like, again, like. Not everyone wants to go on hormones. Not everyone wants to change their name or whatever. So I've done all the things that I wanted to do, right? I wanted to... I did hormones, or I'm doing hormones. It's not going <laughs> to stop yet. <laughs> but I have started on hormones. I have changed my name. I have gotten top surgery. And I've come out to the people that need to know. And now, you know, like you said, I've moved to Utah. 
people didn't know me before, you know. Just default, like, yeah. hey, Ronin man. Do you? Yeah. And so now a lot of people in my life, I don't even think that they know that I'm trans, <laughs> which is very weird, <laughs> you know? Yeah, when I first saw you, I didn't think anything specifically. It was just like, okay, dude. But I definitely Especially just thought of you as, like, man. So. Yeah. I, yeah, which is, it's very weird. Because I, I don't know, I'm, I'm always still, like, a little bit nervous. Not of people, like, reacting negatively, but just, do they know? Yeah. You know, people just casually call me he because they see me as a guy, even if I haven't told them because they just, they see me as yeah. a guy. You are a guy. And I'm just like, oh, gosh. Like, <laughs> ah. Like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's just so weird. And I, I use the men's room, you know, mm-hmm. all the time. I don't remember when I first consistently used the men's room. But around the time when I started hormones, I was like, it's time for me to use the men's room. Um, oh, was that scary? It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that for a little bit. It was scary because I was like, you know, what if people think that I'm in the wrong restroom or something? Yeah. Or, but it was funny because even before I transitioned, before I started hormones, and I think even before, like, you know, knew that I was like, I am a trans man. But I was using the women's room, you know, blah, 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 washing my hands. At one point, a woman comes in and she, I'm like, washing my hands. And she looks at me and then she like steps out and checks the bathroom sign. She's like, oh, okay, wait. <laughs> so she was like, am I in the right restroom? And like, So kind of like I said, I had a masculine face. I had short haircut. Yeah. I kind of already looked a little androgynous before hormones. And so I was like, okay, once I start hormones, I need to use the men's restroom. To at least not make women uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but it was nervous, nerve-wracking for me because I was like, I don't know. I would be nervous yeah, thinking about going to that experience. Right. And my mom was really scared for me, too. Because, yeah. you know, I hear so many stories of yeah. trans people, getting you know, getting murdered and stuff. And yeah. yeah. I say bullied and yeah, right. murder is the, the scary part. Right. And men can be scary. Right. Exactly. I don't want to go into a man's bathroom. Yeah. So I, I mean, was... sometimes I do, but that's because it's a single stall and I'm not waiting in line. Yeah. So. Well, if it's a single stall, it <laughs> doesn't note, matter. It's like. Just they shouldn't it... even have labels. Right. It makes me so mad me, when yeah. I go to a gas station it's or so somewhere annoying. and it's like, no. It's like the, both bathrooms just have a toilet and a sink. The argument that I hear a lot from the people who work there that I bring it up with, <laughs> there being the gas station or the restaurant, they're like, well, women just keep the bathroom cleaner. And it's not true. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't think that's true. I have true. seen plenty of dirty women's restrooms. Yeah. <laughs> we all see gross stuff in there. Like, I'm sure that uh, it just, uh, yeah. Yeah. If you are a restaurant owner or a gas station owner and you have single stall just change stalls. Them. Just take off the yeah. Just yeah. needs to be a restroom sign. Right. Put uh, baby changing stations in both restrooms. Yeah. And make them the exact same gender neutral. Unless one's bigger than the other and one's only you know right. fit for a baby yeah. station. But you for do sure. what you can. Yeah. Folks. <laughs> but yeah. So if anyone's listening and is like thinking about transitioning or like using the men's restroom. I will tell you the things that I was afraid of and the things people told me. I would, like, consult my male friends, like, what, what's the men's restroom like? Because like, I, what I was worried about was, will I look too feminine or too female for men to be like, hey, wait a minute, you don't belong in here. Yeah. I sit down to pee. Will men kind of realize, why is, why is this guy sitting down to pee? What's up with that? What I was told was, like, men do not look at other... Restroom is like, all right, I'm peeing, I'm washing my hands, I'm not looking at anyone. Is that true? I mean, that's what I do, so... <laughs> uh, In and out, not yeah. even socialize. I mean, I will say I have not had a negative bathroom experience. No, that's um, good. So I am assuming that men are just like, 
I am just doing my business and mm-hmm. washing my hands. I don't want to look at anyone. Because I, I guess I wish that everyone were like that. Yeah. Sometimes people really want to chat with me in the bathroom. Yeah. So, the, yeah, the women's restroom, I've heard it's different for trans women because women are, yeah, looking at people, they're, like, doing makeup or, like, chatting. And yeah, so... I don't... Trans I, women, I, yeah. Friends, don't chat with me when I'm in the bathroom. It's like, just wait until I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't get it either. Um, and let's not go in at the same time. Let's, right. let's go it's, in at different times. It's very, it's very weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so men don't look at each other or talk to each other in the bathroom. So my friend was like, if there is something a little odd about you, like, maybe you don't look male enough or whatever... Most of the time, people are not paying attention, and men are not paying attention yeah. to that in the bathroom, and they're not going to bring it up. You know, they don't want to be awkward or something. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, but, like, sitting down to pee, do men even do that? Like, whatever. And then my friend was like, yeah, men do do that sometimes. I know a lot of <laughs> yeah. men that sit down to pee. Yeah. Um, I have a number of really close friends. One of them was like, yeah, I found out that when I, like, Wake up in the middle of the night, I can just sit down and go <laughs> yeah. And you were sharing that with all of us that were sitting there. And then we all hung out again, and they're like, yeah, we all start doing it. Now we just got to do it all the time. Right. And it's yeah. like, yeah, sitting down to pee. Yeah, you don't have to stand. You can take a break and sit down and be like, oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he was like, men sit down to pee. And I've also seen on, like, trans Reddit, FTM, FTM is female to male, for people that don't know. Even if men are like, why is this dude sitting down to pee? It would be weird on him to, to ask, ask you. you. Yeah. yeah. So even if someone is thinking it's weird, they're not going to bring it up. I feel like that would be the equivalent to asking somebody why they farted in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you farting like, in there? You're like, dude, like, because it's a bathroom. Let me, let me live my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that would be weird. Right. So well, just that's, that's keep that good in for mind. People to know. Yeah. Gosh, it is like still nerve wracking though, because you know women's restrooms, it's all stalls because women don't need urinals. Oh. But men's restrooms, there's probably only one stall or maybe two. Yeah. And so when I walk into a bathroom and the stall is taken over already by someone, I'm just like, oh, I don't know what to do. And they're like. <laughs> People have told me, like, just wait. You can just wait yeah. in the bathroom and for the stall to open up. But I get so nervous. And I don't want to do that. And so I just, like, walk out or, yeah. like, wash my hands kind of slowly and, like, wait for it to open up. Um, I would probably do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think you should have a trans woman, if you know any, on this podcast and talk about her experiences. Because I'm sure they're yeah. very different than a trans guy's experience. Um, especially with bathroom. Maybe not especially. But, like, with bathroom Probably stuff. with bathroom yeah. specifically. Yeah. <laughs> So another positive transitioning experience that I had, and I think it's one that's pretty unique, I don't know if a lot of trans people experience this, was kind of like I said earlier, I started hormones February of 2020. So we all know what happened around that time. Um, So a month later, COVID happened and lockdowns happened. So I was a month on testosterone at that point, and, you know, lockdowns were basically still going on until the summer. So I was transitioning during lockdown, I wasn't going to work. I was working from home. You know, I was staying at home. And so I had a really interesting experience of physically transitioning in private, which was really great. I didn't have to worry about my voice still sounding feminine. Like, Did you have a cracking voice when you were transitioning? I, I kind of did. And sometimes at it still does crack. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't as obvious as like... I don't know, maybe jokes make it out to be. I think some people probably do have like a more 
cracking voice moment. But <laughs> I mean, it, it did happen where it's like, oh, whoa. <laughs> I think it's it's always endearing to think about teenage boys having cracking voices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fun to think about you having that. <laughs> yeah. But it was great because, yeah, I still kind of dysphoric a little bit, but I didn't have to go out into the world and into society while I was like in the very beginning stages of my transition. It just happened in private, at home. I was living with some friends at the time, and so they kind of got to go along with me, where I was like, look, I have, I have a beard hair, like one single hair poking out of my chin. They were like, wow, I'm so happy for you. That's so great. <laughs> yeah. And so then I moved to Utah in June of that year, and so by then, my voice had dropped pretty much to what it is now, and like I was in the process of changing my name. Basically... A lot of my name had been changed at that point so that when I started jobs and stuff, I could have been on the payroll with my name and everything. And so I was introducing myself as Ronan. Coming to Utah, I was basically transitioned to where I needed to be as a male in normal, everyday interactions. Yeah. Yeah. So even though, you know, COVID was still going on in June and stuff, we were more open up at that point. And so by then I had kind of been male. I didn't have to have this weird in between where I'm like, oh, I'm Ronan, I'm he, him, but I still kind of look and sound yeah. like a woman or something. You went into COVID hit and then you went into your cocoon. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. COVID continued, but you know, we opened up and so did your cocoon. Exactly. And you yeah. were Ronan the man. Oh, that's, yeah, that's really good <laughs> way of seeing it. Yeah, it was like a caterpillar. <laughs> Your COVID um, cocoon. Exactly. So even though, you know, COVID sucks for a lot of reasons, I did have that really positive experience with COVID. Oh, well, well the, again, silver linings that we can get yeah. from COVID are few and far between. So I'm glad that that was what. Yeah. So now I'm a grad student. When I applied for this position, the position was open on Twitter. That's where I saw it. Really? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> I saw it on, yeah, I was like looking for grad student, master's position. That's whatever. cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's how I saw it. And I huh. sent an email. Yeah. So shout out to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but the flyer basically was like, priority will be given to, you know, women, people of color, black people, indigenous, you know, LGBT, you know, kind of non-cis white yeah <laughs> yeah so i saw that and i was like oh okay well because first of all i was like i want to apply to this position this is a good mesh of my interests the position that i have now and then i saw that ending thing the the comment about lgbt and i was like that's me yeah um, and so i was <laughs> like, like I okay fit, I, fit. I was like great and my mom was like how are you going to show that you're trans that's a good yeah. question and i was like i got you because I was in the middle of changing my name and stuff. Mm. So I was like, here's, let's see, I, I can't remember what had been changed, but basically some documents had my new name and so my So in your name. application, you had to be like, this is why the right. names aren't matching. Exactly. Because I am a transgender yeah. man. I meet your qualifications. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I was like, gotcha. <laughs> I don't think in the interview he brought it up, but once I got hired... He being my advisor now. When I got hired, moved to Logan and all that stuff, he kind of, I think he had brought something up before, but I don't remember. But like, we were in a one-on-one meeting and he was like, so how is it? Are you doing okay? You know, do you need anything? Regarding like gender stuff, you know, are you doing okay? Has anyone said anything? Yeah. Do you feel safe? Yeah, exactly. And I was like, yeah, I haven't had any, you know, negative experiences so far. I think everything's great. And he was like, okay, perfect. So like, my advisor is really awesome. Now your advisor's here, but like he was one of the only ones that would put like his pronouns in oh. like Zoom calls and stuff. Who and, like, is your advisor? Tal Avgar. 
I don't know him. Yeah, I mean, he's in the a different department. Yeah, than shout you, so. out to Tal. Yeah, his name's Tal. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, so he's he's really good about any sort of intersectional stuff. My advisor Maria, shout out to you, Maria. <laughs> She's pretty dope, and she has like queer ecology in her bio. That's why I picked to go to USU. So. Yeah, so. I'm really so grateful. I mean, basically, like, this is the reason why I'm talking about this on this podcast was the positive experience of transitioning. But, like, especially or maybe not especially, I don't know. But, like, I'm so grateful that my advisor is the way he he is. He is, I don't know, he sometimes surprises me, but that's not on him. It's because I'm, like, (laughs) low expectations of people, I guess. It's really great. He's a great advisor. I'm really grateful that... He is the way he is, basically, and that he's. Ah, uh, good job, Tal. Yeah, <laughs> two thumbs up for me. Yeah. So again, I haven't really experienced a lot of personal like transphobia or backlash, but if I did, especially at USU, then I know I would have. Yeah. At least people him. have your back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if you've been to the um, inclusion center at all, or the Logan Pride Center for that matter. I haven't, but I listened but, to that episode and was yeah. like, I want to go. And there's to- an inclusion yeah. center episode that is so good, it just hasn't come out. Oh, yet. okay. I was like, I haven't listened to it. Oh, I cool. have a lot of editing Not to do. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk also about. You mentioned before you were a lesbian, but then with the transition, your feelings have changed because maybe you feel more comfortable with yourself? Yeah. So the reason why I thought I was a lesbian was not, I mean, I was attracted to women and I still am, but it wasn't only that or wasn't the main reason. It was more like I realized that I was really, really uncomfortable with men being attracted to me as Mm. a woman. And so I was like, well, if I'm a lesbian, then I would only date women. And women being attracted to me is fine. Yeah. Um, And maybe because women would be attracted to you because they're like, ooh, this person is androgynous. And that's what I find sexy. Right, yeah. And men maybe would just be like, oh, another femme. Cool. Right. We're dating. We're you know, man, female. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was, you know, not, like, super butch, but, you know, dressed masculine and, like, had short hair and didn't wear femme clothes. And so I was like, oh, I'm a lesbian. Then I'm, like, yeah, more on the butch side. And some lesbians are attracted to that. And maybe some cis men, cis straight men are not attracted to that. So, like, it's fine. I'll be a lesbian. (laughs) Uh, But then, obviously, I'm not. (laughs) I like how that was, like, a decision. Fine. I will be a lesbian. lesbian. Yeah. No, it was more like, (laughs) yeah, it's more like, oh, maybe I am a lesbian, and this is why I'm uncomfortable with men attracted to me or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when I realized that I was a trans guy and came out and, like, started interacting with the world as a male and, like, started on hormones and stuff, I started realizing more and more like, oh, I'm, I am attracted to men. And I kind of always knew that, but it also got mixed up with, am I attracted to this man or do I want to look like him? Which is the universal queer experience, I think. That's definitely what I go through a lot. (laughs) Maybe not always with men, but with people. You're like, am I attracted to them or do I want to look like them? So I was like, well, maybe I'm not attracted to men. Maybe it's just society pushing male attraction on me or I want to look like them or something. But then when I transitioned and got more comfortable with myself, I was like, oh, I am attracted to men. I think there was a, at one point I was on Bumble or some dating site, just like, oh, let me just like look around. And I found myself always swiping. I can never remember which is which, but swiping (laughs) Swiping... against the women more often and swiping for the men. 
Um, I was like, well, I don't know if I want to date her, or like, I don't think I want to date women. And I was like, and you're like, that guy's cute. That guy's yeah. cute. That guy's cute. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, am I gay? Am I a gay man? <laughs> and I like maybe if I or pan or whatever, because I am still attracted to women and non-binary folks and whatever. But it was a unique experience. I was like, oh wait, I am more attracted to men than I thought I was. Why did that happen? I don't think that happened. I was that yeah. like that before. But kind of like you said, like, I was more comfortable with myself. Like I kind of said, when I thought I was a lesbian, I was uncomfortable with the idea of men being attracted to me as a woman. But now that I am a man and I am on hormones and I look like a man and people see me as a man, and if a man is attracted to me, that means that man is gay or bi Mm -hmm. or something. Like, he's not a straight man. And they're attracted to who you really are. Yeah, exactly. And, and so now, if a man's attracted to me, he's attracted to me as a man. And that and you're like, fits better. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so a lot of people talk about, like, maybe some questioning trans people or cis people. They don't really understand how hormones work. And they they kind of ask the question, like, oh, I've heard that hormones change your sexuality. Is that true? And it's not exactly true. It's not, like, the hormones. And so it's not that I suddenly became gay or became attracted to men. Your hormones were like, haha, you have testosterone and you like men too. Yeah, it's not like that happened. It was more just like, oh, I can like let myself be comfortable and be attracted to this person. So, really interesting. I have like been all the LGBT. <laughs> You've covered the spectrum. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So another thing I wanted to bring up was how I kind of shifted within privilege. You brought up this hierarchy of privilege where certain people are in certain positions within this hierarchy. And, you know, it's not as easy as like, well, this person is more privileged than this person because of these reasons. But regardless of that, I am a white person and now I am a man. And even though I'm a transgender man and I'm still a queer man, so that has some aspects of it too. But in general, I walk through the world where people see me presumably see me as a cis man, presumably see me as straight. Like, they don't really have any other reason to have other assumptions. And so that gives me this privilege that I am not used to having, or at least I have to keep in mind at the very least. But it's also kind of interesting because I feel like I could be like a spy or something. (laughs) (laughs) Like I can exist in these male spaces, although honestly, those spaces like cis straight male spaces are not super comfortable for me to be in anyway but yeah you know if I am in, in those spaces especially like in academia or in future career things presumably because that's just how our society is a lot of those spaces are dominated by men I can be like I am man but also <laughs> yeah, you can exist in that space and then double identity and yeah exist in all these other spaces too yeah and and because obviously cis men straight men are you know they're totally capable of being feminists and allies and incredible people advocates and yeah but maybe they don't have those direct experiences right they'd be like well yeah like i understand what it is like for these people of women or queer people or people of color or whatever but they can't experience that and you know me as a white person i obviously can't experience what people of color experience but for queer people women women identifying people who are seen as women throughout society mm-hmm. I have some experiences or at least feel more empathetic to those experiences. But if someone were to tell me, if a, a female friend were to tell me, oh man, my boss or a coworker of mine, a male coworker of mine is kind of being a little creepy or whatever, like nothing has happened, but if they're giving me like yeah, weird vibes. you have the bad feeling. Yeah, and like maybe they complain or like are trying to vent to a male friend of theirs or another male coworker. 
And this male coworker is like not dismissive, but maybe more on the men man side yeah. of the. They just haven't ever experienced that, so they can't relate. They're yeah. Like, oh, it's in yeah. your head, obviously, right. because I've never experienced that, so it doesn't exist. Yeah, or or maybe just like, oh, well, he probably didn't mean it like that, or yeah. you know, whatever. So you know, obviously, some men could be like, oh man, that does suck. You know, you should report this or like. How men, can I support? You? Yeah, or whatever. So that can happen, but I feel like with my position as someone who has had similar experience to that of people being creepy while they thought that I was a woman that I can be like yeah that's not good (laughs) like that's a shitty experience to have or even worse experiences than that that are like actually stalking or abusive or whatever it's like that is not good but my point is is that since I can like kind of move through these male spaces being seen as male but also have these similar experiences with women identifying female identifying or people who are seen as women or queer people I have this opportunity of standing up for like my female coworkers or female peers or queer or non-binary coworkers and being seen as a white man gives me that like hey that shouldn't (laughs) talking to other like white men and yeah you shouldn't higher position like that's a weird thing to do yeah exactly because it's hard when you're experienced like if this like female coworker or whatever this female friend of mine is like hey my coworker's being kind of creepy it's hard for her to go to her boss or to talk with this coworker and be yeah. like hey this what you're be- what you're doing is a little uncomfortable it's hard for them to do that but if i were in that space i could go to that coworker or if i were there watching this happen or something i could be like hey that you shouldn't be doing that yeah. you know man to man that's yeah. not cool <laughs> and then also you're able to pull from your empathy pull from your past that is directly relevant to yeah. the female coworker as well yeah so it, while it does like that like i have that privilege of being like well if you're not going to listen to this female coworker. Yeah. You can listen to me. Like it does suck that they're not going to listen to this female person, mm-hmm. but I have this power, I guess, <laughs> of standing up yeah. for people who are marginalized and can't stand up for themselves. I have to keep in mind because sometimes I forget. Like I sometimes forget that I am seen as like a cis man, and <laughs> I, I just need to keep that in mind, yeah. right? For example, walking through the street at night or something. I don't want to be the creepy guy walking behind someone, even if I'm just walking. And also because I walk fast. And so it's like, <laughs> it, it might seem I'm like really fastly approaching someone and I don't want to do that. So it's like, okay, I have to remember, maybe I should slow down a little bit or cross to the other side of the, the street or something. Because there was one time I was walking with a couple of my friends, even just through campus. And this was at night. And I kind of hung back to throw something away or something. Mm-hmm. And then quickly like caught up to them, like kind of jogged. And out of the corner of their eye, they, like, saw this man running, running at, at them. them. <laughs> they, like, had a heart attack. And I was like, oh, I, I felt so bad. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, they were like, who is this man that's, like, going to mug me or something? And you're like, it's just me. I know. I felt so bad. And I was like, I, I, have, I can't do that. I have to keep that in mind. That would be something I definitely have to think through. Because as a female walking around at night, or even just during the day, I forget where I was walking the other day. But this person, he was right behind me. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to pretend to turn around here. And I got off the sidewalk, and then he just walked right past. Right. And I was like, <gasps> Yeah, so exactly. It's like, he probably wasn't even thinking about it. Yeah. He's just like in his own world, walking, and he walks fast or something. But but you have the unique perspective of knowing that that can be scary. Right, so. exactly. Yeah, I have been in that situation where I'm like, oh my god, is someone following me? Or, yeah, I do need to be mindful of that as I move through academia or through work or walking down the street or something that privilege is unseen which is why a lot of cishet white people are like there's a really big pushback because they're like what do you mean i'm privileged yeah i've got all these problems and it's like no it's not that 
you don't have problems. It's yeah. that you have it easier than other people. Because you don't even have to think about these problems that other folks deal with every day. Yeah, exactly. So now that I am not only white, but also white male, and people perceive me as presumably a cis and maybe also straight male, that carries a lot of privilege with it. That, you pass. Yeah, I pass, <laughs> which is what I want. You know, I want people to see me as male, but... I've heard a lot of people, a lot of trans people say this too. I don't know if you've heard people will say, oh, you don't look trans and use it as a compliment type of thing. And it's like, oh, oh it's not that's... really a compliment. Yeah. That's so icky. Yeah, it is icky for a lot of reasons. But I heard someone point out one reason that I hadn't thought of before is that if you pass, quote unquote pass, yeah, then you also don't necessarily look queer and yeah looking queer is shouldn't inherently be bad like right. you shouldn't be complimenting on someone being like wow you look like you fit into the binary mold of society that should and always be the standard for us right <laughs> and privilege itself like, yeah and uh, it's, uh. it's also like kind of like how you're saying when you move to logan and you're like where are the queer people i want to find my people <laughs> where are the queer people at? yeah because if you look queer there's obviously some negativity attached to that. You might are you're more outwardly queer, and maybe people who are homophobic might be against that. But you also act as a safe space for other queer people. You're like, yeah, can be like, oh, I, yeah, I think you're also queer. When can you I see the flagging, you're like, oh, 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 hey, yeah. <laughs> so if I don't look queer, if I look like a, if I look like a cishet male, <laughs> then maybe I don't flag as queer to other queer people. And so though I don't know, that kind of. But a bit. <laughs> I have seen you wear nail polish and to me that's what I was like okay that's a good way to flag yeah for sure yeah now that I have transitioned physically and I'm more comfortable with myself so not even just that I physically transition but more that I am more comfortable with myself and I know that people see me as male that has allowed me to feel more comfortable with playing with my gender expression a little bit of wearing nail polish like you said or wearing more women's clothing like crop tops or bright colorful stuff maybe not something that a standard cis het male would yeah. wear i haven't i don't know how to wear makeup but i would be interested in learning and you know, <laughs> wearing makeup would be cool and i am interested in that because it's like oh it's fun to play with gender expression but also it's a good way of flagging to yeah. queer people i'm safe i'm not a cis het male you can talk about stuff around me if you feel comfortable you don't have to but yeah. if you want to what advice would you give to anybody who is transitioning or thinking about transitioning what do you wish you had known or what did someone tell you that you thought was really helpful when yeah. you were transitioning i think i mentioned this before but one big thing that helped was that cis people don't think about their gender all yeah. the time. Um, so if you are like uncomfortable with how people see you in terms of your gender, of how people like, if you're like, no, but I think I'm okay with these pronouns or the way people see me. But then like when someone calls you she, her, or maybe if you're trans femme, someone uses he, him, and you're just like, nah, I don't really know about that. Then it's like, that's <laughs> kind of a big sign. <laughs> Another thing to keep in mind, if you follow trans people on Twitter or Instagram and you're like, oh man, I kind of wish I looked like them or I wish I could be them or I wish I was brave enough to do that. You can also do that. You, yeah. you can, <laughs> you can totally do that. If you're not certain, but you're kind of wishing that you were trans or something, then that's a big sign that you probably are trans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you spend time thinking about it, then that's a sign. That's a good way to put it. People talk a lot about gender dysphoria and the negative parts of 
the trans experience, which of course are totally yeah. real and really sad. But the best way to figure out your gender or your gender expression or identity is what makes you happy. <laughs> kind of like I said at one point that I was like, okay, I'm going to use they, them, but also he, him. And then when people used he, him on me, I was, oh, wait a minute. That, like, I that's like, fun. I like that better. <laughs> yeah. And so me dressing masculine or using he, him or people using my name, things that are more positive and gender euphoric were like, oh, I'm moving into the right direction yeah. versus gender dysphoria. You know, I spent 10 years, again, going back and forth, like, I don't know, maybe I'm okay with it. Maybe I'm just uncomfortable with how people view women or something that dysphoria is hard to parse out that it's related to gender stuff yeah. you know yeah it works for cis people too like whatever gender expression or the way people see you in terms of gender and you realize oh this is making me comfortable and happy then that's like a good yeah sign to move in that direction <laughs> i like that a lot <laughs> i will also say so if you are that's if you're questioning your gender so if you have decided on like i am trans what do I do next? How do I start on hormones? How do I change my name or anything like that? If you're wanting to change your name, there's a website called transequality.org and it has all information on every state on what you need to legally change your name. Oh, that's great. Transequality.org. Yes. Okay. I'll include that in the show notes. Yeah. Because every state is different. You definitely need to know state by state what documents you need. So that, that's a good resource. If you do live in Utah and you want to start on hormones and you live in kind of the Salt Lake area or even in like Utah County or Cache County near Salt Lake, then you can go to the U of U, the um, hospitals and clinics connected to the University of Utah because they have a really great transgender health program. And I think I mentioned this before that you can just start on hormones if you think that you want to. They give you informed consent. You don't need any other documentation to start on hormones. If you live in another part of Utah or a different state, then I would just Google your city where to do hormone replacement therapy or HRT, and you can find good resources there too. HRT. Yeah. Hair. <laughs> hormone therapy. Yeah. Hormone therapy. Hormone replacement therapy. Hair. Hormone replacement therapy. I don't know why that's... Hormone is hard to say right now. Okay. I think Planned Parenthood does hormones. So, like, I think oh. regardless of where you are, Planned Parenthood... I, I, I don't want to say this for certain, but I would check with Planned Parenthood first. Yeah. And I would also check if there is some sort of LGBT resource center in your area, because they would definitely at least know where to go. Mm -hmm. Maybe not definitely, but hopefully they would know where to, to at least go to get hormones, if not offer hormones there themselves. Good to know about Planned Parenthood. That usually is a good place to start if you're asking those sorts of questions, I think, because if they don't have the ability to help you, they have the want and will to and connections to other resources. Yeah. Go Planned Parenthood. Shout out to you. You're great. <laughs> I want to ask, what is the best part of transitioning for you? And what is the worst part? And yes, I am modeling these questions <laughs> off of Ologies. Shout out to Ologies. You're so great. Yeah, great. Great podcast. Definitely listen to that. Um, I'll start with the worst <laughs> so we kind of end on a positive note. The worst, I guess, experience I had was just trying to change my name in the middle of a pandemic while also moving to a different state. Like, yeah. I mean, and that's a very unique experience. I don't think many people will encounter that. But to kind of have a more relatable answer is probably just that I'm not certain, even though I haven't had the transphobic 
experience direct. I still kind of worry about it, especially like really cishet white yeah. dudes, you know, if we're, at, if we're at a bar or something and it's like, yeah, I oh, see some truck nuts parked outside. You're right. like, oh God. It's like, oh, is this is someone going to see through me or something and know? Yeah. Or like also in the bathroom too. Oh, do I pass well enough to be in here? You know, so it's, it hasn't happened, but I always worry about it and the worry kind of sucks. Yeah. We live in a world where there is a possibility of that happening. Yeah, and some people are confused and they don't understand, and when they don't understand, they get scared, and then they act out in certain ways. And it's unfortunate, but it happens, and we all do have to be on our toes a little bit as being part of the queer community. Yeah. And yeah, also, maybe I do pass as male, but maybe I look too, like, gay or feminine, and yeah. that there's also a possibility, too, that I'm not that... Yeah, your fingernails are painted and you have yeah. earrings on and maybe you just learned how to put on eyeshadow <laughs> and some dude is, like, not down. Yeah, like they're homophobic or their toxic masculinity is kicking in or something yeah. like that. So it's always a possibility and I always kind of worry about it. Yeah, that's scary. Mm -hmm. Best part, <laughs> I love that I'm trans. Even though, you know, it was really hard spending those 10 years not knowing who I was and having kind of suffering a little bit with gender dysphoria, not even really understanding it. And even though it was hard changing my name and, it, you know, spend a lot of money on hormones and top surgery and stuff, I wouldn't change being trans. I wouldn't want to wake up being a cis male, even as like a cis gay male or something. <laughs> it would just be a completely different experience. Like I see the world and understand the world differently because I grew up socialized as female and stuff. And I, I can relate to some female experiences. Yeah, so if I had grown up as a cis male, I wouldn't have that experience. And you get to look forward to the rest of your life being a man. Exactly, like, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. Because like you're I... two years into it, and, like, that's... You're just a baby man. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> you're not a baby, but you know what I mean. Right. I'm, a, like, a teenager. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. But, yeah, like I said, when I was not certain about starting on hormones, but then I kind of thought about it, like, oh, I want to be the person 10 years from now. Yeah. You know, 10 years on hormones and being happy with that, being a lot happier than I am now type of thing. That's cool yeah. to think about, that yeah. you're actually <laughs> moving in the direction of who you want to be. Yeah. Huh, and I hope. Huh. I hope everyone listening is moving in the direction of who they want to be, whether that's transitioning or not. That I bet is a really good feeling. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. Yeah. I think that's, again, good for people to hear. I learned some things. Yeah. And for sure. especially with the bathroom, like that anxiety would be real for me. Yeah. I'm happy that you were able to share your positive transition and positive experiences becoming a trans man but again positive experiences aren't always the case and if you are somebody who's transitioning or generally in the queer community please reach out for help there are resources all around you if you're in the salt lake area the utah pride center is a resource the university of utah is a resource utah state university is a resource for those in logan you can just google it i did a quick search for mental health transgender helpline and there are a million things that pop up there are resources out there for you you're not alone your experience is valid and you're loved don't be afraid to reach out. That's how we get through this life. Yeah. So 
to wrap up, uh, Ronan, where can folks follow you? <laughs> if you want to follow me on Twitter, I have an account. It's more of like my academic Twitter, but... Which might be really cool to follow. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're into fire ecology, and again, you're a space ecologist? Space use. Space use ecologist. Space ecologist. Space ecologist. Ecologist of the stars. Right, yeah. <laughs> space use. So, okay. like, how do animals move through their environment? So this Twitter account is Ronan <clears throat> underscore heart. So R-O-N-A-N underscore H-A-R-T. I have an Instagram that I am not super active on, or at least I don't post a lot on, but I do have some art on there and photos. That's morning bones underscore. So morning, like the time of day, bones, like skeleton bones. I love that. Morning yeah. Bones. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited to follow you yeah. on Instagram and uh, tag you yes. <laughs> <laughs> on mine. Well, I'll link that in. And please follow Long Hair Do Care on Instagram. It's just at Long Hair Do Care Podcast. I create my own cover art for each episode. It's really fun for me. I just use all my favorite pastel colors and it's the only time I've been drawing lately. So follow on Instagram there to see all the fun art. Please rate and review the podcast. I haven't said that in a lot of my past episodes because I didn't realize how important that was, but apparently it is. So if you're listening, please do that. Thanks again, Ronan, for coming on. This was really fun for me. Yeah, it yeah. is fun to just learn more about my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I need to thank AJ for the intro music. And as my dad always says, use your head and be clever. Bye, everyone. Say bye. Bye. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>